You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM, WTGZ, Tuskegee, Auburn, and AM620 WTRP, LaGrange. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome, Auburn, into this Monday edition of Sports Call Live on Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. My name is Ryan LaVoy. Today on the show, I've got Cam Berry and Tom Peavy, and we have a lot to discuss on this Monday edition of Sports Call as we have to discuss the Auburn and Tennessee game that took place inside the Neville Arena on Saturday. At 4 o'clock today, we will have Kevin Ives. He's at AUPPL on Twitter, Plainsman Parking Lot, talking about a series sweep for Auburn this weekend and a look ahead of what they've got going on here in the next week or two. Also at 5 o'clock today, we will have Sean Henry. He is the Nashville Predators president and CEO, as well as the president and CEO of Bridgestone Arena. He will talk all things SEC tournament and about the venue, Bridgestone Arena, for those that might be traveling up there this week and all the happenings going on uh, with Nashville sports and with the future of Bridgestone Arena. So very excited to talk about uh, all of that with Sean Henry today. That will be at 5 o'clock. As always, best and worst of the weekend will come up towards the end of the show. Birthdays and sports, nightly TV guide, all the, all the good stuff today on this Monday edition of Sports Call. Also some combine stuff, and we have time a lot to do on the show today. Again, Ryan, Cam, and Tom with you. We'll start off with Tom today. Tom, hope you had a great weekend. Good to see you, sir. Yeah, uh, good to be back. Uh, ready for another week of Sports Call here with you guys. And uh, but Yeah, it was a good weekend, and a good weekend of sports for Auburn. Uh, really across the board when you look at it. Um, Auburn basketball, they end the regular season in style. Uh, after a... After a very disappointing loss at Alabama, which I think is probably the most disappointing loss of the entire season, not just because it was Alabama, but because they were up by 17 points and blew that lead and some controversy down this stretch. But uh, Auburn did not let that phase them. They came back out against Tennessee and uh, played arguably one of their better games of the year, especially on the offensive side of things because that's the one thing that Tennessee was so good at or is so good at is defense and the fact that Tennessee gave up that many points to Auburn uh, was saying a lot and, and so great stuff there. Uh, baseball gets a, a wonderful sweep and uh, Bryson Ware uh, just clutch uh, as clutch at the plate as you could possibly be. Uh, still some questions regarding Auburn's pitching staff. I know there's some guys trying to get healthy and the pitching staff's not looking all that great, giving up a whole bunch of runs, but the offense is putting enough runs up there to get that sweep. Softball doing great. Uh, and, and then just, you know, around the sports world, a lot of good stuff going on. So, yeah, a lot, a lot to talk about, a lot of good stuff to talk about. 
Cam Berry also on the show today. Cam was inside of Neville Arena on Saturday. Cam, hope you had a great weekend. Good to see you again. Yes, I did. I had a great weekend. Yeah, I enjoyed being in Neville Arena and um, taking some video for the for the Auburn game, and and it was a really good one. I mean, that I I, I told you guys before the show started that Leo Berman dunk was the loudest I've ever heard Neville Arena. Like they absolutely went insane i told you i had a headache after i left like it, it was that loud a great great uh game a much needed win uh quad one and uh to help your tournament chances if you're um if you're auburn so they that pretty much i would say locked them in uh at this point um maybe you can make a little bit of noise to truly solidify yourself in the um uh, in the SEC tournament this week, that would really be helpful if you can make a little bit of movement there. Um, maybe boost your seating a little bit more if, if there's a chance. Um, but yeah, like like Tom said, baseball doing really good, hitting a lot, um, dr- driving in a lot of runs. Obviously, the pitching staff um, just needs a little bit of work and a little bit of fine tuning. Um, but I'm sure as the season progresses, that'll that'll work itself out. Um, and yeah, softball. I mean, Maddie, Maddie Penta. I mean, what more can you say about her? She's an, an animal. Um, it's just a strikeout machine. Um, and yeah, this will be my only time on on the show this week because I will actually be in Nashville going going to cover the SEC tournament for uh, another job that I have, and uh, I'm really excited to be able to give that opportunity. Uh, come back next week and tell you guys about it. So yeah. So maybe we can talk to Sean Henry a little bit about what you should, Dude, uh, yeah, <laughs> what you should have to look forward to <laughs> For uh, sure. event wise and everything going on there. So excited about the show today! Again, a lot of good stuff to talk about. It is that time of year where uh, brackets upon brackets upon brackets, oh. and uh, the precursor to the NCAA tournament variety is all of these brackets that we have with conference tournament time. Uh, as of course, all these conference tournaments are set. Auburn now knows. Uh, what's going to be their road in Nashville. They're going to be the 7 seed playing 10 seed Arkansas. We discussed uh, last week uh, last week some of the scenarios, uh, and it did go uh, – we'll get into more of this in a little bit, but it did go in the way of Auburn playing Arkansas in the first round. So we'll get into that in the SEC tournament bracket a little bit later on the show today. But I guess first and foremost, the important thing here – is Auburn getting that tournament resume solidifying victory against Tennessee? Also on the show last week, uh, I went abnormally bold. I don't do many bold predictions. Oh, wow. Um, and I went pretty bold, and I was kind of right, but kind of wrong. Uh, I thought Auburn would not only beat Tennessee, my bold prediction is that they'd beat them very easily, uh, beat them by 15 to 20 points. Obviously, they beat them by nine, but it was not easy, so I don't get credit for that part of it. But I did feel that the the vibe was right around the team uh, for whatever reason heading into this game, even despite the soul-crushing loss in Tuscaloosa to Alabama. I, I thought that that game proved a lot because even – uh, after the blown lead that they kept kind of fighting back in that overtime period that Bama went on a 5-0 run to start overtime, but Auburn answered a couple different times, cutting the game to two, having possession back, trying to tie or take a lead at one point or maybe even two points late. And so I, I felt like that showed me that there's not a mentality issue with the team. They, they're not – even though they, they'd have every reason to be a little discouraged that they weren't. Right. Uh, And against Tennessee, we saw a team that continued to play some of its better offensive basketball of the season. Tennessee 
Uh, defense has been what's made them all season long. We all know the first battle uh, in Knoxville, the 46-43 game, <laughs> and just fi- trying to find any offense was just not uh, not doable in that game. And Auburn comes out and scores 79 points against the vaunted volunteer defense. Uh, of course, it was a close game late. Auburn did have to make some baskets and, and ultimately did pull away a little bit in the last three or four minutes. But it was a back-and-forth game. It was a game in which it was very close. 11 lead changes, seven times the game was tied. Auburn led it for about 20 minutes. Tennessee led it for about 14 or 15 minutes. So a pretty even game overall. Yeah. And finally, the Tigers are able to get a close victory against a quality team. Yeah. yeah. Uh, one, one of the, the, the big stat that jumps out me out to me on here uh, is to Auburn's credit, and that's in the turnovers. And Auburn only turned the ball over six times while forcing 11. Very low. Uh, if you if you look at the rest of across the board, uh, Tennessee out rebounded Auburn, thirty five to twenty nine. They both hit eight three pointers, so that was dead even. Uh, made twelve free throws. Tennessee did to fifteen for Auburn, so you can't really look at any sort of a free throw discrepancy. Uh, I mean, really, those uh, the stats right there are are just you know pretty even. But when you look at the turnovers, Auburn scored Auburn scored twenty one points off of turnovers to Tennessee's four. Yeah, big time. So there, there's your stat of the game right there. Um, and then, and then on the you know you get the, this from those turnovers, but fast break points fifteen to zero. Yeah. So that that's your ball game right there because everything else on here is i mean it's it's dead even just about across the board um, from every stat that you could possibly look at and uh you know they even uh, you know Vescovi went for 21 you know they had four guys in double figures auburn had uh uh four guys in double figures so yeah um very very even across the board but auburn just did not turn the ball over and yeah. they forced tennessee into turnovers and that's what gave you the ball game. Yeah, I, I mean, I 100% agree, Tom. It's It's been the defense, man. I mean, defense yeah. travels, and, and Auburn was able to, you know, obviously this was a home game, but I'm just talking for future reference. That defense is going to travel. That's something that sure. Auburn can hang their hats on, is that they are a, a sound defensive team. Um, you know, obviously there's been some lapses uh, here and there, but as they're starting to kind of lock in and as the season's um, progressed towards the, the back half of the season, they've been pretty solid defensively. Um, interesting stat. We've always been on this team all season long. We've been on this Auburn team about shooting. Um, the last month, the last eight games, um, Auburn has actually led the SEC in three-point percentage at 39%. They've, oh, wow. They have led the SEC in three-point percentage. They've been sh- I mean, they've been shooting well offensively. I mean, you know, within this last month, they've really been pretty dialed in with their shooting, and they've been taking smarter three-point shots. They've not been forcing near as much. Um, yes. They've been taking what's been given to them. Um, Alan Flanagan's really stepped up in his in his shooting. Katie Johnson had the great game against Bama, had, has had a solid, I would say, month and a half per se that he's been scoring the ball pretty well. Um, has really come along, and and so you can see, and and Wendell had a great game um, uh, on Saturday where he kind of bounced back after his couple games where he struggled. So he's been, um, so it's been, it's been kind of coming along, and this team's been clicking. The most consistent player has been Janai. I think we can kind of agree that he's been uh, either Janai or Jalen. Those two have really been our most consistent players. Jalen had a great game. He had 13, eight, eight rebounds, seven assists. Um, to no turnovers, so he's he's playing a really really great game. 
Um, and you just kind of want to continue and build off of that if you're Auburn and, and they've been doing a really good job with it. Uh, hopefully you want to get, um, get, uh, excuse me, ah, Dylan Cardwell back, um, because you need his physicality, um, down low and, and you need his rebounding presence and the depth, just the yeah, depth on the, the, depth, in, the yeah, depth on the inside, you know, you but, but Johan did not do a, do a bad job. He had a couple key offensive rebounds that he was able to go up and get and grab. He did, did fine on the defensive end. Uh, wasn't necessarily picked on or beat or anything like that, um, and and was able to uh, kind of fill that role that Dylan has. He didn't get in any foul trouble either. So uh, he, I think he did perfectly fine for for where he was, and uh, you know in in his minutes. And I think he stepped up big time and was able to fill that role. Give give Janai a breather, not force him to come back in early because he was getting beat so much. Uh, so I think I think that's unspoken in how well he did. So Auburn played a good and complete game overall. Um, great to get a win for the seniors, um, and yeah, let's just you know ride it into the into the tournament. The other thing you got to say about that game also is you have to tip your hat to the Auburn faithful. Oh my goodness, that turned out because Ooh, they did because they because of spring break, right? Uh, and and uh, Bruce Pearl and even the players were all over social media talking about you know we need to pack it out we need to pack this place out and you know the the chance of there possibly being some open seating in those down low sections and for auburn fans to show up and take those seats and and be there and be vocal well it looks like a it looks like a huge huge amount of students decided to to uh to stay and delay their uh spring break trip so that they can enjoy one last time in neville arena and uh man yeah they they turned out they were loud they were proud and Lior's dunk just took, took the roof <laughs> off the place. Oh, I mean, I, that's an understatement. I'm telling you, like sitting, oh, it hurt. I said, I said it, this before we went oh, on there man. too. You were talking about how loud that was, and I, you know, I was sitting there looking at that and thinking about it before the show started. And I was like, you know, at the beginning of the year, if you had told me that the loudest moment in Neville this year. Uh, that the most memorable moment that you know everybody's going to talk about was Leo Berman dunk. I would have been like, <laughs> "Come on, right?" But there you go, and uh, beautiful play, fast break. Uh, KD saves Saved it from it. out of bounds yeah. with a sweet pass to uh, that was Jalen, right? Yes, the, to Jalen who then tips it over to Berman and the Bermanator with a two hand flush and just sets the place on fire. Everybody was yeah. just absolutely going insane, man. Yeah, a little surprising to see him get up like that. Uh, I, I think that what was really important about what Auburn was able to do was, again, the last five or so minutes because they have. It's not like this is the first time they've had chances to beat a good team. Um, late in a game like that. I actually thought for 33 or 34 minutes, Auburn's defense was not very good because Santiago yeah, Vescovy got Vescovy. some wide-open looks. Yeah, Obviously, he had a couple deep ones in there too, but uh, there was a sequence with seven or eight minutes left to go in the game where he had back-to-back yeah. possessions where he got wide open. And then after that, Auburn really clamped Tennessee. Final five or six minutes, I think Tennessee only had one field goal. So... They, they they had the defensive element there uh, the last five minutes to enable them some opportunities to go up on the offensive end with a lead still and not have to be behind or, or tied and not have that added game pressure. And I think that enabled the confidence to continue offensively and, and free-flowing. You, Cam, you make a great point about the shooting, that this team has figured out what shots to take and not to take. Um there, there are still guys on this team, and, and this goes for 
This is not unique to Auburn. This goes for a lot of college players. There's a lot of players that are capable of making a lot more shots than they do. The reason they don't is they don't understand what their strengths are, yeah. and they take really bad shots. Yep. And you've seen over these last eight or nine games, a guy like Katie Johnson do a little bit less of the step-back contested three. Yeah. Uh, if he's made a couple, and this goes for most people, if he you've checked. made a couple, you can take you one. You got it, man. You can, try, you can try that once. But if you're 0 for 2, your third shot should not be the step-back three. And sometimes that happens uh, in the past with Wendell or with KD. Flanagan and, likes and, to do it Flanagan absolutely as a jump shot. And so these guys are starting to do a better job of they only take that higher difficulty shot when they've made a couple. And that's a big difference maker because I tell you what, I was so wowed uh, back when I went to some of my first Auburn games as a freshman in college. I was so wowed because you'd get there. I, I was a, a student that got there as the gates opened all the time and, and even waited in line. And so I always saw the warmups and it always wowed me how almost everyone on every team could make so many open shots oh, yeah. and, and warm-ups. Uh, everyone knows Simeon Bowers and what his strengths and weaknesses were. I, I promise you, I promise you, Simeon Bowers shot 40 or 45% from three in warm-ups. I promise you. <laughs> it looked like he ought to be taking them. And then you get in a game and you say, oh, please do not do that. Do anything else other than that. Do not do not try and play uh, from from one end to the other with the ball in your hands. Do not throw it in the fifth row. Do not take a transition triple. Do not do that. But I'm telling you, in warm-ups, you would have thought he yeah. could make them. And so with this Auburn team, they've got guys that can make them when open, like a lot of teams can. But they've now figured out that they're not the type of guys that can make the tough ones on a consistent basis. They're not the elite shooters in college basketball. And so there is a certain three that is a good three, and there's a certain three that is a bad three. And I think that has been such a pivotal part of them doing this the last half of SEC play. And, and that is a positive thing. Now, there's still plenty of questions about this team uh, as we see them on a neutral court here in the SEC tournament coming up in a few days against an Arkansas team that they did not have to play in Fayetteville. They only played in Auburn and won that game. What will it look like if they're in another close game in a neutral environment? And unfortunately, we're not going to know until they have to have it. But this was a good stepping stone for them to to do something to build confidence in late-game situations. And then also, as I started this segment with, this solidifies their NCAA tournament spot. I don't, I, Now, look, depending on who you were, uh, Jimmy Dykes on the TV broadcast was right. very adamant that Auburn was still going to be in anyway, or at least he believed they should be. Right. You didn't want to leave it up to chance nope. there. Uh, and, yeah. and, and so you like needed a, this win. I think it is safe to say Auburn's in the NCAA tournament, even if there's some bid stealers, even if Auburn loses to Arkansas. Now, could they end up in the first four? That's not impossible. That will depend on yeah. some other things if they end up sliding back into that. If they win another game, they should be good. But I don't want to get too much in the conference tournament part of it because that's another discussion in itself. But we do know, and I will have some proof for you a little bit later, that confirming what happened last year, the conference tournaments are really not weighted that much no. by the NCAA tournament right. committee. That And that is in writing, and I'll read it to you later. So 
knowing what we know, unless there is a lot of bid stealers, again, those conferences that have really only one, maybe two teams, but then someone else ends up winning them, and we'll go some, through some of those later in the week, unless a lot of those happen, Auburn should be even off the first four, too. They should be around a nine yeah. or a ten. That's and what they, I've seen, and except they, for Lenardi. He has an Auburn as an 11. Right, but the, I think Justin Ferguson did a, a big average of like 42 yeah. sites, which, I, by the way, I didn't even know there was more than like 10. Oh, yeah. Uh, but 40-something sites had averaged out to about a 9 or a 10. Uh, 9 and 10 was like the most frequent one. And so I think they're going to be okay now. And that's what that Tennessee win did is give you a little peace of mind that they're not going to miss the tournament. Now, obviously, got to see the seating, who they play, where they play, all that good stuff. But uh, that's Birmingham would be nice. It would be nice. <laughs> uh, would probably have to be an eight nine game to be in that. Uh, but very important that they were uh, able to get that win for peace of mind this week. That you don't have to worry about the bid stealers, and you don't have to worry about bubble teams making big runs. That Auburn spot should be secure in the NCAA tournament. We need to take our first time out of the show. We'll go to the Auburn Bank phone line when we come back. You're listening to the Monday edition of Sports Call. easy it is to listen to our show all you have to do with your amazon smart device is say alexa play sports call auburn this is andy bertram voice of the auburn tigers and you're listening to sports call on tiger 95.9 Welcome back to Sports Call on this Monday afternoon. Beautifully warm April, I mean early March day. <laughs> it was hot. Yeah. It's my, a, my temperature gauge actually said 90 Yeah, when I got too. into my truck. I've got the dark interior. For the first time in 2023, the steering wheel was almost, almost a little too hot to handle <laughs> uh, for a couple moments. That's, that's the thing about having... Pretty dark. much all yeah. all dark in the in the interior. Here, here it looks relate. good, but it doesn't feel good um, in the summer. Can relate. So now here here's my uh, here's my issue with this with the warm this first real big warm up. Uh, it's fake. Well, I mean, it's going to get cold. It'll get. We'll have another cool burst. We will. When, do you yeah. want to know when it'll be? Uh, next week. Yes. Yeah, it's supposed to get down about, below normal temperatures. About next eight, week. eight days. It'll be high fifties for highs. Yeah. Yep. What? I don't. But know. yeah. <laughs> I just don't <laughs> welcome understand. To, welcome to Alabama. Don't, don't plan anything it, yet. This is fake. Yeah. So, but no. Here, here's here's my thing. There's no to people that know me very well. There's no secret that I. Uh, I have an unhealthy fear of wasps. Um, I mean, it's understandable. Mainly the flying bees, but I mean, I can handle most bees and stuff, but there's something about wasps that I I just, I don't do. I I panic, and I think it had to do with something that happened in my childhood with my sister getting stung. And so I, I have this very unhealthy fear of wasps when they start flying around me or they get in the house. Unfortunately, now is they've been... 
hibernating or whatever they do in the wintertime. And now that it's warmed up, those suckers are everywhere. And I go up the steps to my apartment, and, I mean, there's just wasps all over the place. And I think I've already gone through two cans of wasp spray just spraying in in little crevices. Any little crevice that I can find, I'll, like, spray in there just to make sure. And then on my back patio where I grill out and all, uh, they love to get up in the lights and right around that. And so – yeah, unfortunately, that's that first warm up, and all of a sudden, all the red wasps decide they want to come out and start messing with me. And yeah, Brant had a big problem with that last year. Oh, yeah. They got into his trailer. Oh, nice. Um, and no, not nice. But <laughs> yeah, sarcastic uh, nice. Yeah. Uh, and then, but also, Tom, I remember you last year. We had a big little swarm going, little little nest, yeah. something, and you uh, you took the. Took the spray to it, yep. knocked that out for us. Came, so. up, came up here in the came up here in the dead of the night when they were all not flying Sleeping. around and hosed them. So down. Uh, I know we're getting off the tracks here. We will go to the Auburn make phone line. I promise in just a minute. But now, is there any scenario here where they get they get a false alarm that it's time to wake up? Next week comes around, and maybe four or five straight days of getting to around freezing at night because it not during the day but around freezing at night would that would that knock some of them out let's see i don't know how i don't know the biology behind a wasp um i i don't think it kills them i think they just go back and sit in their nest bodies probably just get confused yeah they probably go into i want them to get more than confused hey i feel it i (laughs) respect it i I figure i figure they probably go into some like catatonic uh rest hibernation type thing until it warms up and then they go again i guess i don't know i'm just saying because you look at next week i just don't like them next week man We'll see how cool, cool it gets, but right now, highs around 60, lows in the upper 30s or around 40. I'm just saying, my, yeah. make, don't plan anything yet. It's the other part. Yeah. But there's don't, no, don't, no beach not, trips yet. Not, not don't, yet. Don't, don't put away the long britches yet. Okay. <laughs> let's, uh, let's go to the Auburn Bank phone line for the first time today. 334-887-341 locally. Toll free, 1-888-9-TIGER-9. First up on the show today. James from Montgomery. James joins us. James, how are you doing? I'm good in War Eagle. War Eagle. War Eagle. Yeah, I know that y'all were talking about, like, you know, fear of um, different things. But my fear is when I'm with my family, like, traveling, like, a, you know, like, going out to a family event with my family. Um, my, my biggest fear, and I have never got over this fear since I was, like, eight or nine years old. I'm afraid. I'm like terrified to this day. I'm terrified of seagulls. Seagulls. Of seagulls. Wow. Interesting. I am terrified of seagulls because I tell my sister, do not go and buy chips. And she puts them around me and they start, my family starts laughing at me. I mean, it's a fear that I cannot get over. Now, does this mean that overall you don't like the beach as much because there's usually some seagulls around, or do you just kind of fight through it and, and enjoy every other aspect of the beach? I mean, I just like, you know, I just have to fight through my fears because I know seagulls, I, I just I, I just don't even think that they are there when I'm at the beach. You know, when I'm on the beach, I, I just don't think that they are flying around me. I just you know feel like you know I just ignore them yeah ignore them ignore them like they're not flying around me <laughs> there you go you got to do that well yeah yeah the good news is seagulls are usually not uh 
usually not too interested in trying to to harm somebody so they're just going to um, take the food yeah, out of they, your hand yeah they just they just want to eat at the end of the day and don't we all so it's it's they're going to be all right yeah so i know y'all were talking about the auburn uh tournament that's going to be coming up next week and i'm looking at this big game between auburn and arkansas because i've seen this game uh many a times so i've seen this this chapter in this book for auburn playing against arkansas in the regular season and I think with Janiya Broom that I saw over the weekend, I think this will be his time to step up and shine and uh, show show Auburn fans, you know, what what really is going to happen in um, in Tennessee uh, this coming up week. Yeah, that Auburn game that, that took place uh, in Neville Arena pretty early in SEC play. Uh, that was a game that Auburn always had a pretty good grip on. I mean, they they led it by double figures most of the game. They never got out to twenty or twenty five points, anything yeah. like that. But it was it was a ten to fifteen point lead for the majority of it. So it's going to be interesting to see how this Arkansas team compares to the Arkansas team Auburn saw back in January. That a different team, and, and, and being on a neutral floor. Uh, there's going to probably be a lot of chippiness with Arkansas. There just usually is. Yeah. And so let's see how Auburn handles that in a more neutral environment. Yeah, because I think we've been to uh, Tennessee uh, in the past and we've won. But I think this time around, I think this will be like part 11 of Auburn's chances of winning the uh, SEC tournament. So I think we might make a chance this year around uh, of winning the tournament or winning the whole thing and actually punching our tickets in to the March Madness tournament as well. And once that uh, comes out uh, sometime next week, then I'll I'll pick my teams and uh, seeing who's going to win it all. And I think it will be Auburn winning the March Madness tournament for 2023 as well. We would certainly love for that to happen, although Auburn will not be one of the favorites for uh, either the SEC or NCAA tournament. But you just never know. That's why it's March Madness and upsets do happen. And uh, Auburn will be in need of some upsets if they're if they're going to want to advance far in these tournaments. Yes, I saw then after this March Madness is over, said and done, um, I would like to see the March Madness for 2024 probably in Birmingham. And uh, for that one, I would like to see Auburn and Tennessee Tech actually play in March Madness in Birmingham. That would be a really good uh, matchup as well. That would probably mean Auburn was a high seed, like a one or a two seed. So I'd be in favor of that as well. You know, actually, James, uh, Birmingham will be host of some NCAA tournament games this year. Uh, I know they'll have a one sixteen matchup and an eight nine, and they'll have a few others as well. So Birmingham will will be hosting some games this year. I'm not sure in the future. I think it might be slated to host some more games in the future, but I think that might be a couple of years down the line. Oh, okay. So if, if Birmingham uh, is hosting some tournaments this year, I would love to you know attend some of the uh, tournaments in in person and uh, seeing. And actually getting to see uh, what what is really like, you know, when it comes to tournament time as well, because I've never seen a tournament like uh, a college basketball tournament in person. So this will be my first experience in Birmingham to actually see this for myself. Yeah, I think it'll be, I think it's going to be a lot of fun, and uh, we'll see on Sunday, Selection Sunday, where uh, or what teams are going to go to Birmingham, but. 
Uh, I know that, yeah, the, the tournament's always exciting. There's always a, a good number of people there that are just neutral fans, just wanting to see some good basketball. So uh, everyone in the state of Alabama is going to get the opportunity to do that if they go up to Birmingham. So uh, that will be happening, and we'll be sure to, to update everyone on, on what teams are going to Birmingham. Yes, I saw. And then over the weekend, I was looking at uh, some quarterbacks on the uh, scouting combine, and and I think that CJ Stroud. I think he might be a first round or second round draft pick. Um, probably I'll see CJ Stroud go to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers or the uh, Green Bay Packers. One one of those two teams as well. Yeah, so I, I think both those teams, especially if Green Bay trades Aaron Rodgers, would be in need of a quarterback. But I think because of where they're drafting in the first round, they're not going to have the ability to pick C.J. Stroud unless they make a significant trade, of which I do not think either one will make. So I still think he's going to go up in the top five somewhere uh, amongst those teams. It'll be between him and Bryce Young, I think, of who will be the first quarterback taken, although a lot of people are in love with, with Will Levis and Anthony Richardson. So who really all the way knows right now? But I do think if you're going to want one of those top quarterbacks, you're going to have to be picking very high up in the draft. Yes, because every time I see like uh, the mock drafts, they always uh, put Bryce Young. They had him go uh, number one overall to the Houston Texans, and then they had another mock draft. They had uh, Bryce Young going to the Arizona, uh, the the Indianapolis Colts, and I was looking at these draft uh, mock drafts, and I'm like, why these guys are just focus on Bryce Young. I mean, he's – I've actually seen Bryce Young play in person against uh, Auburn in the Iron Bowl, and people thought, you know, that he was going to be a first-round uh, draft pick. But I said otherwise because he's not a – he's not like a standard NFL quarterback. I mean, he's, 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 he's been hurt, you know, in college. He's – you know, he's really not that good on his throwing as well. That's why I saw yesterday as well. Well, he did win a Heisman Trophy, and uh, I think he's going to be going rather high in the in the first round. Uh, I know there are some concerns uh, about his height. Some people are talking about it because he's only uh, listed at 5'10". But uh, I do think that he or C.J. Stroud should and will ultimately be one of those two will be the first quarterback taken. And, and again, that should come probably in the top two or three picks of the draft. Yes, as well. And then with the Auburn men's baseball season, um, you know, underway, I'm just going to see how they're going to do this week and next week when they actually come to uh, Riverwalk Stadium because I know we play a big, big game. I know this game between Auburn and South Alabama has been canceled many a time uh, during uh, COVID era. So I think this one is really going to bring a lot of people out. So I think this one is going to be a really sold-out crowd in Montgomery. So it's going to be a really good game as well. I'm hoping, uh, keeping my fingers crossed, that this game won't be canceled like uh, previous years in the past yeah i think we had a rain out one year and as you mentioned covid might have done in one of those games tuesday march 21st is when that auburn south alabama game is scheduled for riverwalk stadium so 15 days from now yeah so i would actually be there and um you know if you all are gonna you know be there on location i would love to 
you know, get to be a part of uh, of the show, you know, if that's okay with you all. Well, unfortunately, we're, we're not going to be able to do the show uh, from Montgomery. We'll still have to do it in our, our studio that day. So uh, we, we would love to be out there and uh, support Auburn and, and say hello to you, but we will still be doing this uh, show in studio that day. Okay. So when will y'all have, like, a live location in Auburn so I can, you know, be on, on the show as well? And a lot of people could, like, you know, get get to know who I am, you know, like all the other callers as well. Because, I, I mean, I would love to, you know, that that is one of my favorite things on the list that I really want to, like, cross off my list as well because I know a lot of people, they want me to do that. And I, I think that will be my my dream thing to do when I get into college as be and when I get into college in the near future, I want to do uh, journalism as well and uh, be with you guys in the, in the studio as well. Well, that is, is great to hear. And that is a great question. Uh, we do not currently know when our next remote show is, but we always make sure that whenever we schedule one, we let everyone know well ahead of time and we run commercials and, and tell you on sports call when the next time is going to be. So next time we're on remote location, uh, we will let you know in plenty of time. Okay. So I would be probably going to the A-Day game this year, and I might probably see you all out there. I'm not quite sure. But I'll just probably, you know, keep out, you know, for you all as well. Yeah, we uh, obviously, with it being on Saturday, we would not have a show, but we might be able to go out there as fans or something like that. We'll just have to see. Uh, do you have any final thoughts for us before we let you go today, James? <laughs> Um, well, actually, I do have uh, some final thoughts, and I am just going to see uh, what Auburn is really going to prove. I'm hoping they'll prove me wrong, but if they prove me right, then I'll just have to see where Auburn uh, will land their dice in this uh, tournament uh, this coming up uh, week as well. We will have to see. It's that fun time of year, SEC tournament, then the NCAA tournament. We're certainly hoping, hoping Auburn can make deep runs in both. Well, James, we appreciate the phone call today. All right, sounds good. And uh, War Eagle, and I'll take the uh, Hall of Fame uh, trivia on Tuesday. Hall of Fame trivia tomorrow. We will do that. War Eagle. All right, War Eagle. That is James from Montgomery joining us on the Auburn Bank phone line. We need to take one more time out of the first hour of the show. Coming up in about 15 minutes, Kevin Ives will join us. Stay tuned. More sports call after the break. Sports Call is on the air weekdays from 3 until 6 p.m. Want more Sports Call? Check us out online at sportscallauburn.com. Welcome back to Sports Call on this Monday. Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy, Cam Berry. Thanks to James from Montgomery for joining us on the show, calling into the show just a moment ago. Again, coming up in about 10 minutes or so, Kevin Ives. He is Plainsman Parking Lot at AUPPL on Twitter. And uh, he will talk to us about Auburn baseball after the sweep of Lipscomb. A five-game week ahead for Auburn. Oof. Be very busy. We'll talk to him about that. And uh, just a couple weeks for SEC play. Actually, the softball team will start SEC play this weekend. They'll yeah. go to Athens. So 
Uh, it is starting to transition in from, hey, build up your, your win total to here come the real tough ones. They'll be uh, starting all over the SEC here in the next couple of weeks. So we'll talk to Kevin about the baseball team. And again, rem- reminder at 5 o'clock, Sean Henry, the president and CEO of the National Predators and Bridgestone Arena, will join us to talk about the SEC tournament. Some really cool factoids, too, that I was not aware of when I was researching uh, the SEC tournament in Nashville and researching everything uh, long-term that the Preds have, and we'll talk about that with him. But pretty impressive what the Predators and what uh, that organization is doing with Bridgestone Arena. They've got some very big long-term contracts that are a little bit uh, a little bit abnormal. And so uh, we're going to talk to him about that and just everything uh, with Bridgestone Arena and about this SEC tournament. A couple minutes left in this hour. Before the hour ends, let's get to today's birthdays and sports. It's time for today's birthdays and sports. Birthdays in Sports is presented by Max Credit Union with two convenient locations to serve you. One location on Gay Street in Auburn, the other on Frederick Road in Opelika. Let Max Credit Union help you with all of your banking needs. All right, today's birthdays, good list. Shaquille O'Neal turns 51. Former NBA center selected first overall in the 1992 draft by the Orlando Magic out of LSU. Also played for the Lakers, Heat, Suns, Cavs, and Celtics, although... Mainly the Lakers and Magic and maybe the Heat are well where he's known for. Three-time Finals MVP, 2000 NBA MVP, 15-time All-Star, eight-time All-NBA first-teamer, twice on the second team, four times on the third team. He was All-Defensive team three times, was the Rookie of the Year, two-time scoring champion, member of NBA's 50th and 75th anniversary teams. His number 34 retired by the Lakers, number 32 retired by the Heat. At LSU, Shaq was the AP Player of the Year in 1991 and two-time consensus first-team All-American, two-time SEC Player of the Year, was the rebounding leader in 1991, his number 33. is retired by LSU, member of the Pro and College Basketball Hall of Fames. A big bio for the big fundament, or that's Tim Duncan, for the big Aristotle. Yeah. Shaquille O'Neal turns Shaq 51. Diesel. He's kind of good. Uh, he was very good. He's very good, and and now the dude, is, the dude is pretty much like a spokesperson for everything. Everything, like yep. Uh, I mean, he's everywhere, and then he's, he's on still the, making his money. He's and on he's, the he's on the TNT broadcast of, of NBA and yep. doing all that stuff with the, with uh, uh, Charles Barkley and those guys. But man, he like I mean he he's in every commercial that seems to pop up as Shaq doing something. Amen. So he turns 51 today. Michael Finley turns 50, current assistant GM, vice president of basketball ops for the Dallas Mavericks, former NBA small forward and shooting guard, selected 21st overall in the 95 NBA draft by the Suns out of Wisconsin, also played for the Mavericks Spurs Celtics, 2007 NBA champion, two-time all-star, all-rookie team in 1996. While at Wisconsin, he was a first-team all-Big Ten selection twice, USA Male Basketball Athlete of the Year, In 1993, his jersey number 24 retired by Wisconsin. Michael Finley turns 50 today. Marcus Smart turns 29, current guard for the Boston Celtics. Big NBA day today. Selected sixth overall in the 2014 draft by the Celtics out of Oklahoma State. 2022 Defensive Player of the Year. Three-time NBA All-Defensive first-teamer and second-teamer once. Two-time NBA Hustle Award. I'm not sure that I knew that existed. At Oklahoma State, Smart was 2013 consensus second-team All-American, 
Big 12 Player of the Year in 2013 and two-time first-team All-Big 12. Marcus Smart turns 29 today. And then Jake Arrieta turns 37, former MLB pitcher, played for the Orioles, Cubs, Phillies, and Padres. 2016 All-Star, 2016 World Series champion, was the Cy Young Award winner in 2015, and a silver slugger. He was the MLB wins leader in 2015. There was a two- or three-year stretch where he was damn good. Jake Arrieta turns 37 today, and those are the birthdays in sports. Again, Shaq, Michael Finley, Marcus Smart, and Jake Arrieta on today's Birthdays in Sports presented by Max Credit Union. Out of time for hour number one. When we come back, Kevin Ives will join us to talk all things Auburn baseball. You're listening to the Monday edition of Sports Call here on Tiger 95.9. One hour of our show is in the books. We've got more to come. Stay tuned for another hour of Sports Call right after the break. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM, WTGZ, Tuskegee, Auburn, and AM620 WTRP, LaGrange. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Hour number two of the show starting right now. Ryan LaVoy, Cam Berry, and Tom Peavy with you here from our studios on South College Street. Fun first hour talking all things Auburn basketball. Also going to the Auburn Bank phone line. And now let's go right back to the Auburn Bank phone line for our weekly conversation with Kevin Ives. He's at AUPPL on Twitter, Plainsman Parking Lot. Uh, and Kevin, I hope you are well. No trips canceled, hopefully, this week as we're not trying to go across country to L.A., but I hope you're well and, and enjoyed some baseball this past weekend. I was able to enjoy some baseball. I actually was out of town, so I didn't get to see it in person, but I did follow along. I went to um, Savannah with my wife uh, this weekend, so we were out Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Um, and thankfully she put up with uh, my Auburn baseball love, and I was able to watch the – game Friday on my phone at Savannah Smiles, which is the piano bar downtown, So, and then listened to it on the way back um, when we were driving back on Sunday. But it was a great weekend for Auburn baseball. It was um, got a sweep over a really good Lipscomb team um, that had a run rule victory against Florida A&M um, in the midweek, and uh, Auburn just kind of rolled along and had two big cover-behind wins on Saturday and Sunday, um, a walk-off win on Saturday, and then 
um, really down to their kind of their last at bats on Sunday. You know, bottom of the eighth, they already had two quick outs and um, end up rallying and winning four three. And um, it was really good to see for a team that dealing with some injuries, dealing with some um, issues on the mound, and um, able to be resilient to kind of take a take that sweep and, and set up for another long week because Auburn has games Tuesday and Wednesday, and then has their final like non-conference series uh, this upcoming weekend. Yeah. Well, so if if you're not on the deck, who's the captain up there? Is Ashley Reed taking over, or, or who runs the show? I mean, you're it, you're it, the it, boss it, up there, man. It's up to Ashley. Ashley can handle it, and she handled it well. Um, uh, she took care of everything, so I was I was real go. appreciative. And she in the tweet, she even tweeted out updates. And I've been looking for a particular hat, uh, the blue Auburn baseball with the white logo. They haven't had it in a while. She even went into the into the uh, team shop and got one for me. So How I got a new that? hat this year. Good yeah, for Ashley. Good. Been, been friends with Ashley Reed for many, many years. But uh, <laughs> get, get, getting into the baseball uh, side of things with this. Uh, uh, series mainly against Lipscomb, and uh, uh, it was all about the bats. You mentioned there, there's been some issues with the pitching, but, I mean, there's injuries. They're still trying to get some things figured out there. But uh, hitting-wise, Cason um, Howell has really now gotten things, he, a slower start than I guess you would have expected from Cason Howell, but now he's really kind of getting things going and showing that pop with his bat. If you could just talk a little bit about Cason and that veteran presence out there and at the plate. I think you said it right there. It's that veteran presence. I mean, it's he really kind of sets the tone um, and had a really good week offensively. And he's, I mean, he is a, a fifth-year grad student, and not only does he have leadership, you know, at the at the plate, and he's uh, one of the, I think he may be the only series, that's the only player that has been to both and played in both of the um, recent College World Series appearances. But he's also been taking folks under his wing, and I think you kind of see some of his leadership rub off on how Chris Danfield played this, played this weekend. Um, and had a really, really big weekend offensively and filled in for Bobby Pierce, who's dealing with an injury. Um, but having Cason at the top and having a guy who has power and speed and can just hit consistently um, and has really logged a lot of quality at-bats um, at this level, um, he, that resource is invaluable for a team. I mean, he can really set the tone and really kind of knows what to expect, um, and he's not going to be intimidated in any um, any environment because he's played in, in the biggest environments um, that this sport has to offer. Yeah. He, he collected his 200th career hit in his 200th career game. That's yeah. that's pretty that's, special I mean, run for that I mean, guy. I, I think a lot of the records that he's you know that he's going to kind of hit and collect is uh, for as, as often he, as he's played and how as much as he's played, um, they're probably going to be untouchable for a while. I mean he's. Um, he's definitely taking advantage of, you know, some shortened seasons with COVID. And um, he's just been, from the day he set foot on campus, he's really um, has been a, um, a stalwart in center field. And so next year it's going to look a lot different, um, and he's definitely going to be missed. But I think just having him as a leader on the team is something that, uh, you know, the coaches don't take for granted. Um, and I know the, the players probably appreciate it as well. And, Kevin, I know that Lipscomb – uh, maybe better than people realize, but at the same time, still a competition that probably not going to measure up uh, too favorably to, to the SEC and what Auburn will see the rest of the way. So how important was it that Auburn was able to 
have a couple of key clutch moments against them, falling behind at times in this series, but battling back and trying to build uh, that winning mentality for this team. I think that the you know the, they're you can't sell Lipscomb short, and they're I would honestly put them at um, at the caliber of kind of some of the you know recently historically lower SEC teams. I mean, they're going to compete, and we'll actually see a lot more. Uh, this upcoming weekend, where they're going to travel to Starkville and see how they how, to, how they handle that series um, with Lipscomb, but they had a lot of guys that are you know a lot of transfers that have a lot of experience um, and a lot of you know older senior leadership. I mean, they've got guys that are coming from Indiana, coming from Vanderbilt, from Tennessee, um, all over. I think the best thing you can kind of say with how Auburn handled Lipscomb is they didn't really bend. Um, or they didn't really break. They bent a little bit, but they didn't really break. Um, especially on Sunday when you're, you're facing a guy who's throwing and, and pitching in a style that Auburn is not really accustomed to. It's a guy that was relying a lot on his breaking balls um, and kind of kept Auburn off balance. The, the, way that, the fact that Auburn was able to kind of hang in there um, and really kind of shut them down on the mound using John Armstrong in the back end but relying on two freshmen to start off the game, I think they really speak tremendously. I mean, you've got to you've got to think this is still a team. Uh, you know, baseball is baseball. This was still a team that the night before had scored eleven runs on Auburn, um, and then you kind of shut them down the next day um, and, and only hold them to three with two of those coming on kind of a fluke home run. I don't want to diminish the home run from Caleb Catch up there, really good defensive uh, shortstop. But the fact that Auburn was able to do that. You know, with um, was that Crossfield and um, and and everyone else that came out on Sunday. I think that's that's really a testament to the team and kind of what they're um, how they're kind of battling back and how they can be resilient um, and kind of lean on each other and, and use that next man up mentality. Given this past weekend's results and, and everyone that got in uh, pitching wise, and uh, as you said, a much better pitching day yesterday, but uh, kind of rough on Saturday. Do you feel that Butch Thompson is getting any closer to figuring out uh, the the eight or nine guys that he wants uh, as key parts of his staff? Because I know we talked to him a couple of weeks ago, and he was saying he was pitching about 16 right now, or 16 ar- arms had the opportunity to pitch, and he wanted it get, to get down to about eight or nine for conference play. Do you feel like Auburn is, is moving in that direction to getting down to eight or nine? I think they are. I think it's, it's going to be a little tough because you're still waiting to see where Joseph Gonzalez is going to fit in that mix and um, how effective he will be when he returns from his injury and when he'll return um, from his injury. And so you're still kind of, you know, you're going to have a lot of kind of gray area with the pitching staff. But I think you've got guys that really have kind of settled in to some roles already. You'll, you'll really see this, this upcoming week, how they kind of fit in. Um, the fact that you know, we've relied on John Armstrong so much out of the pen, and he's been so effective. I think he's been really good. Having Will Cannon kind of in that closer role, Will Cannon may kind of move more to a setup when they kind of figure out what they want to do with Isbell or Alsup um, with the chases, if they're going to keep one as a starter um, or keep them more as a, or kind of transition them more to a full-time closer. You, you kind of see some roles being developed. You kind of see some guys that are kind of stepping up. Tommy Vale is another one that, that um, you know, we've got a – you know, work on. I'm not sure, um, you know, who else may kind of step up, but I think that's what you're going to see, especially these next two games, the ones Tuesday and Wednesday against UAB um, and against Jacksonville State. You're really going to kind of see some 
we may end up pitching a lot more guys than you would probably expect, even if the game is either close or out of hand, because you're getting into crunch time. Because after you get past these next five games, you got a midweek against uh, Georgia Tech, and then you got um, you open up SEC play at Arkansas, and so your time is kind of running out for you to figure out where everybody's going to slot in. But thankfully, you've got a lot of games in that interim where you can kind of figure that out. And you've got a, a lot of different baseball teams that you're going to be facing um, and a lot of different types of batters. So they'll have a lot of data to figure it out. Um, I still don't know if, if the same lineup and the same role that you see in that Arkansas series will be the same ones at the end of the year. Um, but I think Auburn will have a pretty good expectation of what they have and who, can, who they're going to call upon and win. Talking to Kevin Ives on this Monday edition of Sports Call. And Kevin, uh, along the lines of pitching and, and utilization and that sort of thing, as you mentioned, five games in the next six days for Auburn, and it doesn't matter the opponent. That's a lot of baseball. We saw that kind of happen into one of Auburn's opponents, Florida A&M, last week, where Florida A&M ended up using a position player in the seventh inning because they were so short on arms by the end of it. Not that Auburn's going to have to do that, per se, but when they factor in five games in six days, I mean, how much of a strain – is it? I know it's early in the year, but how much of a strain is it? And then the second part of that, too, is with UAB and, and Jacksonville State in the midweek, uh, these are in-state competitors. Uh, what, what do you know about uh, these two teams and the challenges they might present? Well, UAB is coached by Casey Dunn, um, and Auburn's real familiar with Casey Dunn. I mean, he's an All-American at Auburn, and you know, he um, when he coached at Sanford, would always give really tough games as a coach. Um, and now he's at UAB. It's a UAB team that it's still kind of finding itself a little bit. Um, they had a series against Notre Dame. I think they only took one of those games from Notre Dame. Um, but UAV is going to be real tough. Um, and Jacksonville State is going to be the same thing. I mean, these are, these are teams that Auburn is going to be very familiar with. Um, right now, I mean, they're, they, they're kind of mid-level in the state, um, if you're going to be honest uh, with yourself. right? You know, the top three teams are going to be Troy, Alabama, um, and Auburn, and South Alabama kind of, is running to a little bit of a buzzsaw, and historically they're in the top, you know, top half of it. Um, so I think it's going to be tough. And playing with Jacksonville State, you know, last year we went over Jacksonville State, and it was a pretty close game. Um, and Auburn had a, I think that's the game where Kaysen had that um, pretty, you know, incredible catch where he robbed a home run um, in center field. But for the UAB game on Tuesday, it's not going to surprise me if. Um, they threw out a ton of guys um, just to kind of keep off, all, Auburn off balance. And we may kind of do the same thing just to get some different looks and get some experience. But um, you have to be careful in these midweeks, especially when you're playing back-to-back games um, against in-state opponents because it's not a situation where you have a team that's been traveling all the time and, you know, they may be a little um, travel fatigued. Um, I, look at it, I look at what happens to Florida and what's happened to Florida the past couple weeks They'll play these back-to-back midweek games, and in that second game, they they don't have all the bullets in the chamber because, you know, these games are really tough and they're really tight and competitive, um, and so they ended up dropping a game um, to South Florida, um, you know, just because they couldn't really rely on their closer. They needed to kind of they used them the night before to get that first win, um, and they needed and they kind of overworked them. And I think workload in these games is, is going to be key for Auburn on the on the pitching side of it. You're probably not going to see a guy outside of outside of a starter, um, you know, pitch more than you know one or two innings um, if they can help it. But if a guy's cruising and a guy's doing, then that's that's something they're going to rely on. But 
you hope that Auburn gets really good starting pitching is a guy that can go four or five innings. Um, and so you're not really reliant. And you honestly, to keep the pressure off the, the pitching staff, it's going to be on the offense because the more runs you can put up and the kind of the uh, bigger cushion you can give these guys, um, then you're kind of, you can give some guys some more leeway and maybe eat up a little bit more, uh, eat up a few more innings uh, than you normally would and let them if it was a tight game. Uh, Kevin, just kind of looking around the uh, around the nation, uh, I guess mainly just kind of sticking with the SEC. Anybody uh, has jumped out to you as a surprise, good or bad? Uh, seems like Alabama right now undefeated uh, and climbing up into the polls. LSU still pretty much leading all the polls with everybody. But what have you seen from everybody else so far? I mean, LSU is still going to be the top, um, you know, the top team in the league. They, the guy that they have on Friday, Paul Skines or Tinas, he's a transfer from Air Force. He's just looked phenomenal, um, and he is—he's um, kind of a, you know, the rich get richer scenario with that. And Alabama, yeah, Alabama is undefeated. They're going to have a really tough, tough game tomorrow at Stanford. It's really going to be their first true road game. I would say, you know, that record may be a little deceiving. Just looking at some of the competition that they played, they were supposed to take a big series down in Pepperdine. A couple weeks ago, with that guy replaced because of the weather, um, ended up playing uh, high point, um, a big South team out of North Carolina. So we'll see if that kind of holds up. And they've got a favorable record coming up, so they'll probably they may roll into SEC play undefeated. Um, they're not much of a surprise. I think some of the surprises have been um, Ole Miss has kind of been hit or miss. They got their mojo back a little bit this past weekend in Minnesota, um, but they've had some kind of tough losses to to, to deal with. Mississippi State has really struggled, um, and they're still trying to find their footing a little bit. I think a surprise right now has been Missouri. Missouri's played really, really well. Um, you know, they, they took a series. They took their first kind of home series um, against Texas Southern, and, you know, that's, they're a pretty good swag team, but um, the fact that Missouri was able to um, make some noise in some of their early tournaments um, and that really play competitively is going to bode well. But everything else has kind of been what you kind of expect. I mean, you thought Georgia was stumbling for a bit, but then they took a series from Georgia Tech, and you thought um, South Carolina is still – one of the things I will say right now is how good South Carolina's offense has been. Um, and I think that has been the, the biggest thing that's kind of um, turned my head is they've had some struggles with pitching, and that coupled with their offensive struggles has really led to some down years for them. But this year their pitching has been – you know, kind of has been at least adequate, but they are just absolutely destroying the ball. Um, and I think they're going to, they got to be close to the top of the nation in, in home runs. Um, and so they are absolutely mashing and, and they're kind of on a roll. And they took a big series from Clemson um, this past weekend. And so everybody's still good. Um, Tennessee is really back at full strength after that transfer. Maliahuna kind of had to sit out for a bit. He's back. So now they're kind of where they want to be. Tony Vitello paid whatever tenants he had to pay it, um, you know, for the administration and sat out a series against Dayton. Um, and so they they took a they swept a big series from Gonzaga this past weekend. There's there's no easy games on the schedule when it comes to SEC play. So everybody's kind of um, playing um, playing top level baseball, and that that's really where it starts to get into crunch time when Auburn opens up the SEC play um, next weekend. Is you you can't let off. There's no easing into that schedule from day one. You got to be ready, and and each one of those games is going to be critical. He's Kevin Ives talk, talking us today on Sports Call. 
Uh, Kevin, with the five games in six days, will you be able to beat all of them, or are we still going to have to have like a midweek rest period to keep the arm arm ready to go for all these weekend series? I'll be ready to go. I'll be there tomorrow night, um, and then uh, I'm hoping to go up to the game in Jacksonville on Wednesday. Uh, the real world and work may have other plans for that. And then Friday, I've been, I was looking at the radar earlier. Friday, we may have to um, kind of look at stuff. The weather does not look too good on Friday, uh, just from constant rain. So we may have some uh, a double header on Saturday, but we'll know more about that on Thursday. But I'll be there. I'll be ready to go. And um, yeah, I'm excited because this is it, every, now that kind of basketball has tapered off. Um, you know, we're getting ready for the SEC tournament in basketball and the NCAA tournament. Um, and the focus really gets all on baseball, um, and that's going to be kind of the um, the prime on-campus sport. Everything else is going to be off-campus when you deal with the the basketball tournaments and then gymnastics tournaments um, and the meets and stuff like that. So, yeah, uh, it'll be good. Hopefully the weather will cooperate, um, and hopefully Tigers keep winning. Absolutely. Well, Kevin, as always, we appreciate the time. Hope you have a great week, and we look forward to talking to you again soon. Thank you. That Talk is, to you later. That is Kevin Ives joining us today at AUPPL on Twitter, Plainsman Parking Lot. Always appreciate Kevin uh, for joining us on Sports Call. We need to take our next time out of the show today. We'll go right back to the Auburn Bank phone line when we come back on this Monday edition of Auburn's First and Auburn's Favorite Sports Talk Show. to the show send us your thoughts via email you've got mail sports call at the tiger.fm i'm Britt bowen voice of auburn women's basketball and auburn softball you're listening to sports call on tiger 95.9 Welcome back to Sports Call on this beautiful Monday afternoon. Ryan Lloyd, Tom Peavy, and Cam Berry with you here. Big thanks, as always, to Kevin Ives. He's Plainsman Parking Lot for joining us um, on this Monday edition of Sports Call, as he does throughout the baseball season. It's always funny because that, like, that is his Twitter ID, at AUPPL and Plainsman Parking Lot. But it's also kind of funny to, to call a human an entire parking lot. <laughs> it's just I, every time I say it, I'm just like he's Plainsman parking lot. Hello, like, Plainsman. Like parking everyone lot. knows him from the parking deck, and uh, certainly does a wonderful job of of creating some of the the ambience up there. Uh, and uh, been a dedicated Auburn guy, and uh, just loves baseball. And I I'm gonna ask him one of these times too. If you if you ever follow him on Twitter, he puts out pretty much every single day a graphic that shows you all the baseball taking place that day, yep. like TV schedule, uh, uh, click to pick and, and all this stuff. And, and that's a good bit of work. I mean, I, I mean that he does that all the time for baseball. He loves it. And I keep forgetting to ask him about that, but we do appreciate him uh, for stopping by on the show each and every Monday to talk some baseball with us. 
What with that, let's go back to the Auburn Bank phone line, 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free, 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Next up on the show today, Ward Damn Steve. Retire Ward Damn Steve joins us. Steve, thank you for patiently waiting. How are you doing, my friend? I'm doing much better this week, guys, after the past uh, Auburn sports, uh, I guess, trifectas, quad, I don't know what you call it, Pinellas? <laughs> yeah, winning, winning just about everything. Multiples. Yeah, and uh, I'll say... Uh, now, war damn to Mr. Janiah Broom and Mr. Wintergreen Jr., who both got what all SEC second team selections. Yes, they did. Yep. Uh, when I was heck for game, I still have my doubts, guys, okay, uh, that we were going to finish this thing uh, the right way. Because, uh, I mean, it was touch and go. But Preston by, and I was reading Nathan King's and Jason Caldwell's comments and Mark Murphy's, our uh, ability to just do what I, I thought uh, would, was uh, just astonishing. We kept our defense, kept the Tennessee uh, scores from scoring any points for six minutes and 12 seconds of the last half. Yeah. yeah. They did not score any for six minutes and 12 seconds. We're talking about Vescovi, uh, Pavlovich, uh, you name them. They couldn't do anything in the last six minutes and 12 seconds, right? Yeah, yeah that's, they, they shut them down. Yeah, Auburn we, shut we them down. We talked a little bit about that earlier in the show where there was a stretch where I feel like Auburn was, was not doing a good job defensively, that Vescovy had gotten two two open looks in a row, and, of course, he's Tennessee's best player remaining. He was having a good game for them. But then, as you said, uh, the last six minutes or so, Auburn just flipped a switch there and became the defense that they are capable of and have been at times this year and that really enabled them to, to get offensive opportunities to try and pull away. And most impressive was their assist ratio. Yeah, what was it, uh, three to one, essentially, when you break it down? Yeah. yeah. Yes, it was, yes. And uh, that's quite astounding, considering that Tennessee, at the time we played, was ranked number one defense in the country, not the SEC, in the country. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> Yeah, they their their field goal percentage defense has been astro. I mean, yeah, I shouldn't say astronomically insane. hot low, but uh, it has been incredibly low. Uh, where has that team been all season, guys? Right. <laughs> right. Uh, I mean, it, it it happens that way sometimes. Well, uh, moving on, guys. I really want your edu- educated um, comments because uh, I'm reading. Uh, all kinds of, of information. I don't know how factual they are about our seeding, and I've seen bracket matrix and bracketologists, or you, you name it. I've seen anywhere between seven to eleven uh, seeding, and I've read from posters. I've talked to my son, and there seems to be a, I guess, a perfect or a magical seeding that you're more likely to succeed at getting to the next round. And that seating apparently is either 10 or 11. My son told me it's a doomsday if you get an 8 or a 9 seating because then you have to play the number one seed. So, guys, give me the facts. How factual uh, is that seating of 10 or 11 being the more desirable seating because you don't have to play the number one seed versus being a number 8 or number 9 seed? So, you know, I, I think that would be more of a matter of opinion. Uh, more than a matter of fact, because he is right in that your second round game is tougher if you're an eight or a nine seed because you'd obviously be playing a one seed. However, you've got to win the first one to get there. 
And if you're an eight nine, that's a dead even slot gotcha. there. Right. But if you're a ten or eleven, you're playing someone that's valued to be a little better than you are. Um, Usually about five or six uh, seeded team, I think, is what I saw. Well, I mean, if you're a ten, you'd start off with a seven, and then if you're eleven, you start with a six, and a six seed would be a, a top twenty five team. So it'd be a quality team. And so, what are you I, saying, guys? Excuse me, which is the higher probability of succeeding to the next round? Um, I, again, I, if you had to take, if I had to take a guess, I don't know. I mean, I think it's pretty even because yeah. what I'm trying to tell you is, yes, that second game is a little tougher if you're an eight nine, but you maybe make that game more percentage of the time. But if you're a ten or eleven you probably make that second game a little bit lower percentage of a time, but then if you do make that game, you win it at a little bit higher rate, if that makes sense. But again, it's not like an 8 or a 9 never beats a 1. It actually happens a good bit. I can think of several times uh, of, of importance in my own sports life that it's happened. I remember UAB beating Kentucky as an 8 or a 9 about 15 years ago. North Carolina did it just last year and went to the national championship game. I remember there was a random year where Northern Iowa did it to Kansas. Uh, Maybe Wichita State did it once, too. It definitely happened. So it's not like it's some... I would not rate it as a kiss of death because it it absolutely happens. It might just happen maybe a little less than than a 2 or 3 losing in the round of 32. But again, it's not... It's not a death sentence, in my opinion. Okay. Would it be, uh, matchup-wise, better for us if we were in the division uh, headed by Houston or by Alabama? So, again, because of tournament seeding rules, I don't think Auburn can play Alabama until much later in the tournament because they will have met twice. Uh, in the regular season, and I need to, again, be 100% concrete on what exactly those rules are. But they try to – there are stipulations based off of how many times you play a team uh, in the regular season versus when you can actually play them in the NCAA tournament. So uh, if if they had played Alabama just once, they could have played them in the first weekend, but I do not think if you play a team twice, you can meet in the first week in the tournament. And I will go – make sure those rules are solid. So I, I honestly do not think Alabama and Auburn can even happen in the first weekend. But I, I think that if you're looking at the other number one possibilities, you're looking at Houston, like you said, you're looking at Kansas. Uh, we'll see what that fourth number one is, probably UCLA. Um, I The thing with Houston is they are an excellent defensive team, but they yeah. kind of struggle offensively. They've had some moments where they are a little bit less airtight, and I enjoy- well, yeah. Excuse me, interrupting, but you know, I saw the game Sunday, and they had a time with Memphis. Sure, they won a, a close game at the end. Over the course of thirty games, you, you tend to do that, but I, I don't think that they have the offense to necessarily go all the way and win the title. And look, all these teams have lost four or five games. Like, like I, I think that Purdue has some big flaws. Yeah. All these teams, there's, there's no thirty-one and one team here. There, everyone has lost a few. It's good to see them. And, and so I know Houston's only lost twice, but remember they play in the weaker of all these conferences. So they've really only played one tournament team, maybe two, throughout the course of their last fifteen or twenty games. So, so what you're saying is, number one seed is dominant. 
no number one to see dominant. No. And, and that's why I'm saying that it's not a kiss of death for Auburn to be an 8-9. That maybe you'd prefer that because that gives them a better opportunity to win their first game. Again, they've got to win their first one to get to the second one. And if they're an 11 playing a 6, again, they're playing a top 25 team right from the word go. That's, that's not some sure bet. Right. Auburn would not be favored in that game. So... Uh, they they need to make sure they can get out of the first round before they worry about who their round of 32 opponent would be. Okay, well, thanks for that education there. All right, talk about the Arkansas game, guys. Uh, help me again understand this one because this uh, was a head scratcher. How is the Arkansas net ranking is higher than ours? I don't understand. There? Uh, there's some weird net rankings that uh, they were showing the rest. We're not, and we have a better record than they do in the SEC and overall. Well, you see, my, my complaint would not be where that Auburn is not ranked where they should. They're ranked in the low 30s, and if you're talking about the top team in the country, that's exactly where I think Auburn is. I don't think Auburn's a top 25 team, but I think they're right outside of it. It's Arkansas that's rated very highly in the net for some reason, and there are teams, we've mentioned that this year, that are inexplicably high, uh, and and some surprising things too. Like for example, they showed they showed on the uh, ESPN broadcast on Saturday that Auburn, by all the numbers, had a flat out better resume than Northwestern, but by, by, by right. every number, by and every that number. seemed kind of weird to me because Northwestern is pretty comparable resume wise. If not, most people would think Northwestern by being in the Big Ten would be a little bit better and higher ranked. So there there are some very odd net rankings that I don't buy and Arkansas is a very good illustration of that because there's no one that thinks that they're a top fifteen or twenty team in the country the way they they've played. Well I just couldn't do that because that's some big disparity. I mean it's not like they were number twenty we're number thirty or thirty two. Right. It was eighteen. Right. And I thought, what you know, who've they beaten that's so much, uh, I guess, uh, superior to the competition quad one or uh, two wins we've had? No, I, I, I have to go through it. And isn't Tennessee still ranked third? And I would not yes. think Tennessee should be ranked third. I think right. they should be 13th, but not third. So the net rankings have little or no impact on the actual – is that right? Little or no impact on what you cut out there? On the number one seeds. On the number one because seeds, I – yeah, because their net rank is number three, but they're not number one seed. Right. Yeah. No, I, I don't think it will have uh, – it will definitely not be the end-all, be-all for the committee. I don't know. I'm not sure how closely they'll look at it or not. It would be something that I hope they would ask after the – select. you know, when they do the selection show, they reveal the bracket and then they talk to the the, the head of the, the, the selection committee. I would hope that would be a question they ask of, of how important net ranking was to them because there's some weird stuff that if they actually follow the net ranking or, or at least attempt to, there's going to be some things that bracketologists got really, really wrong. Okay, uh, continue with this. Does it matter? I've, I've read conflicting things. Bruce says well, you know, we want to continue our, you know, uh, our mission, you know, keep winning. But then I've read other supposed bracketology experts saying that it really doesn't have any impact to the committee. Uh, if Auburn were to win or lose uh, in the first round or go on to the second round, is that proof? Yeah, so what, I, I will go ahead and read you this. I was going to read a little bit later, but we'll, we'll go over this again uh, in a little bit. So CBS kind of showed the selection committee schedule this weekend when they were doing their litany of games on Saturday. And they showed the process that the committee said they were going to go through as far as the schedule. Here's what they said. 
Wednesday, which is obviously before most of these tournaments are even all the way underway, every team will have not played yet, initial ballots cast, approximately 25 at-large locks confirmed, approximately 40 voted to under-consideration board. Thursday through Saturday, additional at-large teams voted into field from that initial 25, and then seeding and scrubbing. Late Saturday, final teams selected to the field. Sunday, contingency plans made based on Sunday's games, 1 through 68 seed list finalized, field is bracketed. So in other words, they've already got their whole board set up by Wednesday, and Thursday through Saturday, they're deciding on the teams that are going to be in and not into the NCAA tournament. There, There's going to be teams that met, might still be playing in their conference tournament that are going to be eliminated Thursday through Saturday. So they clearly do not take a whole lot of stock into what happens in these conference tournaments based off of that schedule. So it really won't help or hurt, apparently, what you're saying, uh, Auburn, whether they lose to Arkansas or whether they beat them go to the next round. Is that correct? It, it certainly seems to be the case. I, I do not think they will have much movement uh, unless Auburn does something wild like wins the whole SEC tournament. I do not think seeding will change that much. Okay. All right. Um, well, let's talk about the game thing, guys. Does it really, um, I guess my anxiety level should just be calm. It doesn't really give a hoot, right, if we beat Arkansas or not. Well, I know your competitive nature will get in there, Steve, and you will get nervous as the game plays out, and I think everyone's will. But nervous in the context of making or missing the NCAA tournament, no. I, I don't think there's any no. reason to be nervous about that. It is all up to seeding and where Auburn lands on that, but – with all those 40-some sites that predict that, the, the, the common answer seems to be around a 9 or a 10. So that indicates to me that Auburn is really not in too much danger of being in the first four either. Now, they could if a bunch of bids are stolen, but that's not up to Auburn. And again, it, it might not be uh, up to really any of these bubble teams either because they might not be judged much on what they actually do in these conference tournaments. So I think that they're... Again, they're pretty much set where they're going to be. We don't know where that is because we're not the committee, but I don't think they're going to move a lot based on their result. Well, someone did a consensus. They found that 20 of the bracket participants uh, are uh, a number, I think, uh, uh, eight or seven, uh, yeah, so seating, and then 17 were like a 10 or 11 seating. Yeah. That's what the consensus was. All right. Well, you know me. I'll, I don't lose Arkansas. Uh, we've already beat them once, so hopefully, uh, you know, we can do it to them again. What about the matchup, guys? Um, I know we didn't have their one of star players playing. Uh, what do you think the line will be uh, favored by Vegas? That's a great question. Um, I think Auburn will be favored, but I think it will be incredibly close. I mean, I think it will almost be one a pick. Yeah, I'm thinking one or two. I'm thinking one or two. Okay. I, it, it's hard to tell because Auburn did have a pretty good control of that game in Neville Arena back in January, but January is a long time ago. And yeah. as you said, Arkansas has a, a, another player that's important to them. Now, the Razorbacks oh, have, not, have not played good basketball uh, as of late. So, I mean, it's not like they're, it's changed the complete dynamic of their team, yeah. uh, but it is a little different. And again, on a neutral court, it will be harder to, to guess. All right. And finally, uh, can't go without mentioning the baseball softball team this weekend. I know I heard his comments. Uh, Bryson Ware, uh, Mr. Irish, uh, these people uh, came through in the clutch. But I got to tell you, uh, I was about to throw up on Saturday's game when we had, a, I think it was a 11-2 lead, and all of a sudden we're losing 12-11. No, 
uh, yeah, 11. Anyway, Maybe 10 to 2 and then 11 yeah, to 10. 10 yeah. yeah. Uh, what, I mean, are we just experimenting here? Uh, what, I mean, how do you explain these pitchers just, you know, having a meltdown and all these hits were just being uh, just thrown? I mean, they're going out of the ballpark. Yeah, I mean, what part of it is, remember, Joseph Gonzalez is not pitching right now for Auburn. So that's one, that's their best starter uh, that does not factoring in the rotation. That slides every... The relief pitches are scaring me. Right, that slides everyone up one, but also it means that more relief pitchers are needed because you're starting someone that's not necessarily supposed to be a starter, too, or, or is not going to be able to give you as many innings. And, and they are experimenting some stuff, as everyone's doing this time of year, because you got to know... Everyone that can and cannot deliver in the SEC uh, play once you're playing the really good competition. So uh, some of these things happen. Again, if I wanted to, I could take a long time trying to find you where Tennessee had a bad game in, in this one area or, or LSU or whoever. But the, but the important thing is that Auburn did battle back and win that game. So not to worry. I would not worry about it right now, no. Okay, and the softball team, outstanding. Pitt, of course, uh, Ellis, um, that they, they uh, the ladies, except that uh, South Alabama, uh, they're they're they they look to me they could make it uh, some noise. Uh, not only the SEC tournament, maybe to the uh, World Series. What uh, am I being uh, optimistic? Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I I think that they've got a lot of work to do there, but I do think that the difference here is that they are a better hitting team than they, they yeah they can hit the they, ball they have been, and th- they've got to find a constant number two. I think Annabelle Weidra will be that in the circle for them because Maddie can't throw every single inning of every single game, but she is awesome. There's not many as good as her in the country. And, and that's a great place to start. And like I said, the, the hitting is better. So I, I do think Auburn has a good outlook, and we'll learn a lot about them this weekend when they go to Athens and then next weekend when they go to Oklahoma City and play Northwestern in Oklahoma. And it was so good to see Mr. Sir Charles Barkley at the game. I mean, he could have been sitting in the, you know, celebrity area, right? But he sat in the middle of the Right. Yeah, and then after the game, he was talking with the, all the players, hugging them. I saw some of the, the photos, so it's good to see someone who has a lot of money who could sit where they want to and dress like you know you and I couldn't afford, and they just were like the ordinary people like you and me attending the game among everybody else. Absolutely, we uh, we gotta love Chuck, and we also right. Steve gotta let you go here for today. We gotta um, I gotta let you go too, guys, because I'm I'm through. I, I'm speechless. <laughs> so with that said, guys, thank you for your time as always. I know I've used more than my time up, so uh, I'll not shortchange you anymore for the rest of the time. So uh, y'all have a relaxing evening. Thanks for listening to my rambling, and I look forward to, to more of your um, guests uh, on the podcast tonight. So until tomorrow, guys, War Eagle. War Eagle. That is retired War Dame Steve joining us on the Auburn Bank phone line. Always appreciate Steve for calling into the program. we got to take one final time out here at hour number two. When we come back, we'll start to wrap up the hour and – Again, coming up in about 15 minutes, it's Sean Henry, the president and CEO of the National Predators and Bridgestone Arena. We'll have him on in about 15 minutes. You're listening to the Monday edition of Sports Call. The Sports Call crew wants to hear from you. Give us a phone call at 334-887-3401. Follow Sports Call on Twitter at Sports Call AU. Like us on Facebook at Sports Call AU. 
Welcome back to Sports Call on this Monday. Ryan LaVoy, Camberry, Tom Peavy with you here. Just two or three minutes left here in hour number two before we get to Sean Henry, again, the president and CEO of the National Predators and Bridgestone Arena. Looking forward to that conversation as we talk all things SEC tournament and just the the footprint continues to grow in Nashville sports. Um, there's talk of a potential Major League Baseball franchise Ooh. if they expand to 32. Of course, Vegas is in the running. But Vegas is in the running for what could be another franchise, but also for Oakland if Oakland moves. Um, that's already happened in one other major sport, so it's very possible it could happen again. Right. But but Nashville is in the running if there is expansion, which I don't think it's if. I think it's when. I think that's true for both the NBA and Major League Baseball. They're the two leagues here to be at 30, not 32. And I think they will get to 32. I just don't know if it's coming this decade or next uh, with, yeah. with Major League Baseball and NBA. I don't know what particular financials or what yeah. ownership groups. I think if you talk to people in the NBA. NHL might expand too. Uh, they all might expand because yeah. sports are just booming. You yeah. just keep you find new ways to make more tens and hundreds of millions of dollars um so it might depend on ownership groups and that sort of thing but it's definitely vetted and nashville's a hot button place they're going to get it's a very up and coming they're going to get a new football stadium for the titans here that they're they're in the process of agreeing upon yep um there's a nascar race that goes there a nascar's top series started going there i think either last year the year before they've got a multi-year contract uh, obviously, the Predators have had great success and fanfare in Nashville. Oh, uh, I was reading today that they almost left Nashville back in 07 oh. for Hamilton, um, and they did not. And ever since then, they have had great success, been in the playoffs all, all the time, made a Stanley Cup final, I think, in 2017 or so. So Nashville just the place that's to, yeah. that to be. Very, very up and coming. Uh, and, and the SEC tournament's going to be there for quite a while. I'll tell you how long when we get on the, the interview with Sean. But uh, this this thing has flown by here in, in, in the first two hours. Also in the third hour or at some point on the Tuesday show, it will have to happen soon, we will go through the entire SEC basketball bracket. Uh, believe it or not, there are 14 teams in this league, not one or two. <laughs> so we'll tell you about the whole bracket, how it shook out for Auburn over the weekend, and, and what's to come if Auburn can advance past Arkansas. All the game times, all the TV times, and all that we'll give to you. And then also at some point, hopefully at some point today or this week, got to talk some NFL Combine because – Yes. Uh, Anthony Richardson exists, yeah. and there were some oh takes on that. Well. And uh, I, I have a lot of thoughts. They're not I all good or, or all them. bad, I but I have a lot of thoughts them. because, that. I mean, he was as covered as much as any player in the yeah. Combine this weekend. And, look, some Auburn guys were there. Got to update you on that. But uh, got to talk some Richardson at some point because when we eventually Please. do an NFL mock draft in April or late April – uh, that's going to be a, a, a name that, as we are drafting, could be. Dude, yeah. One guy could have him very high. One guy or two guys could have him very low. It'd be very interesting to hear the the differences of thought there. But out of time for hour number two. When we come back again, Sean Henry will join us. Very excited about that. So stay tuned. More sports call coming up after the break.
Two hours of sports call are finished. Don't touch that radio dial. We've got one more hour to go. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM, WTGZ, Tuskegee, Auburn, and AM620 WTRP, LaGrange. Whether you're leaving work, cruising around town, or listening on demand, we've still got some fun left for you. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show has been on the air since 1995 and is ready for 60 more minutes of fun. Now, let's get this hour of Sports Call started. Third and final hour of Sports Call starting right now. Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy, and Cam Barry with you here on this beautiful Monday afternoon. And now we're pleased to go to the Auburn Bank phone line to open up hour number three. And a very special guest joins us now. It's Sean Henry, the president and CEO of the Nashville Predators and Bridgestone Arena. Sean, the time is greatly appreciated. Thanks for taking the time uh, to talk to us today, and I hope you are well. Yeah, thanks for having me. When I saw the lineup today, talking about celebrity birthdays and SEC, those are my two favorite things. So, who'd you get for birthdays? Did you have Shaq? I uh, got Shaq First today. First on the list. Uh, yep. A couple, a couple more NBA guys. Also, Jake Arrieta, uh, former pitcher there. Uh, so, uh, had had a good list today. Well, hopefully, I'd hire something and Michelangelo. I know they're not sports people, but I bet they both could have balled a little bit. Well, our other station usually uh, takes care. We we're, we have the opportunity to own four stations here in the area, so our other station usually takes care of the the other celebrity birthdays, and yeah. we, we kind of keep it uh, to sports. But uh, we understand there is a lot going on in, in Nashville, and we're certainly going to talk about this uh, SEC tournament coming up and everything at Bridgestone Arena. I know that Bridgestone Arena just hosted a, a, a Morgan Wallen concert, which was, was the talk of the town for a little while there. Uh, just talk about some of these uh, events and how busy the calendar can get for Bridgestone Arena this time of the year when you factor in concerts and the Predators and then obviously this men's basketball tournament coming up. Well, we're fortunate. You know, uh, Last year we finished as the busiest concert venue in the world which uh, is amazing when you think about the size of our city compared to London, Paris, Tokyo, New York, Chicago. So, um, yeah, we're really fortunate about the number of events that we do. And we always like to do things a little differently. And we always say uh, you can do an event in New York or Atlanta or Nashville, and I guarantee you which one will be the most fun. We all know where it is. It's in Nashville. And uh, last week, Morgan Wallen paid off to his fans in a free show. We announced it on Thursday, distributed Gosh, I 18,000 tickets that day, and I think it was one of the largest events we've ever done. Do that in 24 hours' notice, and then uh, started moving into the next show on Saturday, Legends of the Street. And then we get to load in one of our favorite events, and that is the SEC tournament. And we're just so honored that uh, Greg Sankey, the commissioner, trusted us, us enough and partnered with us to make this the permanent home of the SEC uh, tournament. So now through 2035. And I assume you guys have been up here for it, but if you haven't, get on up here because uh, it is so much fun. As great as St. Louis was a few years ago, and I'm sure Tampa last year, both pal in comparison to what we all do together. 
Yeah, so actually, I will. Uh, uh, this is Cameron Barry speaking. I will be uh, at the SEC tournament. Um, I'll be there on Wednesday, and so I was going to ask you if if there were some things that um, you suggested I do outside of obviously I'll be working the SEC tournament and doing some videography, but um, uh, um, just some some things that you suggest doing um, outside of that maybe. Yeah, you know, get up early, which is hard to do when you're in Nashville because sometimes Broadway hits you pretty hard and makes that early call hard. But I would get up early and, uh, you know, go see some free music at 10 in the morning, wander down Broadway, walk across the street from Bridgestone Arena, and you have the new um, African-American Musicians Hall of Fame and oh. Museum, which is pretty neat. Uh, the Tennessee Museum of History is really cool. Our own um, uh, Tennessee Sports Hall of Fame is right in our building, so check that out. Uh, some of the best food scene you'll, you'll see in any place in the country. There's just so much to do. You're not going to be here long enough to do it all, but <laughs> I say try. Get up early, stay up yeah. late. Okay, give me give me one restaurant that I absolutely have to go to while I'm in Nashville. Well, uh, I always say have breakfast at Puckett's. I love a Puckett's breakfast right down the road oh. uh, from our building. And uh, Acme is a great place for lunch. I'd go over there. You got to go to Jack's Barbecue, of course, if you haven't lived. If you can't make Jack's, no, uh, there's about five other places within half a block, so you can't go wrong. Awesome. But just get out and explore. Have fun. Yes, sir. So you mentioned that the SEC tournament, of course, coming to Bridgestone Arena uh, till 2035, and, and I was looking at it, and you mentioned a little bit too. Uh, obviously, it rotated a lot for a while. It had been in Atlanta and, and New Orleans. It had been in Nashville some as well, Tampa. But what does it mean to you that this this partnership with the SEC will uh, will trust Bridgestone Arena in Nashville for such a long term deal? Given that it used to really kind of cycle around amongst a, a bunch of different places. Yeah, so back in 2011, I guess it was, um, Greg Sankey was the associate commissioner at the time, and they were doing a, a bid for the next three tournaments. And he and I just sat together, for, I don't know, hours and hours and hours that, that tournament week. And uh, I said, why not just give it to us every year? And he laughed. And then he laughed some more. And then I said, you know what? Over the next uh, nine years, why don't we give it to you guys six times? So we went from bidding on one year to doing three men, one women, three men, one women, you know, repeated a few times. And we pushed so hard for it because when you can anchor, obviously the Preds are everything that we are, but then you plug in the SEC tournament virtually every year, and then uh, you lay in the CMA awards that we do every year, all of a sudden your building becomes a little different, a little bit more unique. And then it would allow us to grow and improve who and what we were and uh, eventually turn us into one of the busiest buildings in the world year in and year out. And I give Greg Sankey all the credit in the world for that. Because if he didn't make that commitment back in 2011, I don't know if we're the busiest building in the world. But he sure did help change the dialogue for what we are. And, you know, if you think I'm the president of Greg Sankey's fan club, you're right. I am. He's a a SUNY grad like me. I don't meet many uh, State University of New York guys out in uh, Nashville. So it's nice to have one and to have a guy that trusted us so much and made us better. You know, there are a few things we worked on and what improvements were needed in the building year in and year out. You know, we invest in the building every year. The building's 25 years old, but it feels like it's five years old. And our goal is to have it feel that way through 2049, the end of our lease that we just extended uh, 30 years, just a few years ago. But none of that is possible without the belief of the SEC um, offices in, in what we could do. So we're so grateful. And obviously, Sean, you've got SEC Media Days coming to Nashville this year. 
you've just got so much momentum right now with Nashville as a whole, and you mentioned the, the various things coming to Bridgestone Arena as well, but, but what makes Nashville such a great uh, sports city to where there's talk about a potential MLB franchise potentially being there one day, and again, obviously this long-term deal uh, with Bridgestone Arena and the Predators, and then you even got a, a NASCAR race that goes to Nashville Super Speedway now. I mean, just, just what makes Nashville such a great sports place? Well, it's funny. The Predators are given a lot of credit, you know, for converting it from a music city to a sports city, and we laugh at that. That's so misplaced. Nashville and Tennessee and really the entire southeast, it's just a great place to view live events, whether it be NASCAR, SEC basketball or football or music or hockey. It doesn't matter. It's, it's a place that enjoys a big party, and that's what we all embrace. It's not about only the tournament. It's not only about Preds games, only Titans games, only NASCAR. It's about what else is in and around it, and you know, our sport is the best sport in the world, both in hockey and, and college basketball. But when you can intermingle that with the live music industry and have those personalities come about and tell your fans, get on down here three hours early, and let's go have a party. And it's not always just about you know slamming beers down Broadway. It's about getting together with people that want to have fun. And that brings a community together. And, uh, again, we're just fortunate enough to play in Nashville as a, as a hockey team. And, uh, again, Greg Sankey saw what was going on and where we're returning, where we're going. And he realized this event could be a little different here than any other city. And then when you get a surprise team that maybe shows up on Sunday when you didn't expect it, their fan base can drive here. We saw that a few years ago when Ole Miss went on that great run and they were playing on Sunday, it was close enough where people would jump in their car and still show up and have, you know, 8,000 of their fans versus 8,000 of the opposing team's fans. So it's uh, it's unique geographically, but it's also unique from a mindset standpoint. So tell me, Sean, as we talk to you about this tournament coming up, what are some of the ticket opportunities of people that do want to come up there? It's actually spring break right now in Auburn, so I think that would be a perfect place uh, to go up into the SEC tournament. Talk about some of the, the ticket opportunities there and, and just kind of the overall fan experience of the SEC tournament at Bridgestone Arena. Well, I'll tell you, I wish I controlled 100% of the tickets um, because I'd have more fun with that because <laughs> we have a lot more requests than we have tickets. Um, but, you know, the best way to always get them is through your own school. First and foremost, the schools do such a good job of working with their own boosters and students to make sure they have access. If you can't do that, then, uh, you know, get online and, and buy a strip of tickets for the entire tournament, you know, all seven of the events. But I think just this morning we broke it up where now individual sessions are available now. Um, and you can go to BridgestoneArena.com for all your ticketing options or I think through your school portals as well. So, uh, you know, I know everyone wants to come see their own school play, um, but just get on up here and watch anyone play, and you'll have a good time. Obviously, you have a little bit more fun if you're listening to this if you're watching Bruce Pearl, you know, running up and down the sidelines doing what he does. And if you don't enjoy watching that man coach in a tournament, then you've never watched college basketball because no disrespect to any other coach, nobody wants to play him on the first day of the tournament ever. Yeah, we certainly know about that, and I don't know if you have any uh, any uh, thoughts or stories from him being uh, up in Knoxville at, at Tennessee and obviously making the transition to Auburn a, a few years afterwards, but uh, obviously still I think the, the state of Tennessee know, knows Bruce Pearl quite well, and uh, do you have any, any sort of uh, – I don't know, connection to him in any way from his time at Tennessee or, or any anything that uh, stands out to you about Coach Pearl? 
No, I wish I had a better connection with them. I just admire them as a coach. And uh, the, our event coordinator that used to oversee the, the SEC was Ben Bossy, who played for Bruce Pearl at UT. So he had some really good stories. And he's the one that made me look at his record. You know, if he had a couple of days off going into a game, his record's just incredible. I think it might be one of the best in the history of the game. And that's what he talked about. He said, you give that guy a day off in between games and get out of the way because he can prepare like nobody else. And he was a big fan of his. And by default, I became one. And we have so many good friends that go to Auburn that it's hard not to like him and appreciate the job that he's doing down there. But what he's really doing for basketball in the Southeast and in our conference, too. So a uh, big fan of his. Uh, we do these co-branded nights. And we had Auburn night just uh, last week. They buy a co-branded uh, Auburn Predator hat. And it was our number two selling uh, night just behind UT, which says a lot for your alumni base in our market. Awesome. We'd love to hear that. We're talking to Sean Henry, the president and CEO of the National Predators in Bridgestone Arena. A couple more for you, Sean, before we let you go. I've always been fascinated by uh, arenas like Bridgestone Arena that do so many different types of events in such a small window of time and how difficult that turnaround process is because people don't ever see a concert venue go into an ice arena and then an ice ice arena go into a basketball arena what what does it take to flip things that quickly uh, when you're going through three or four different types of events and sometimes just a matter of days yeah you know what we like to say yes and fortunately we have the very best team in our industry and we just won arena of the year for the third time in that many years by uh, Polestar. And it's really because of our team behind the scenes, our conversion staff, our physical plant staff, that flips this building. You know, we go hockey to concert, to hockey to concert, to a pop-up sold-out event on a Friday night, to a concert again on Saturday night, to converting to the very best tournament um, in college sports. And you can't do that if you don't have the very best staff. And our website, there's some time elapses of some of those events, you know, from you know, the rodeo, to hockey, to a concert, to football. And those are pretty cool things to see. You should check it out. But uh, we're just so lucky to have such a wonderful staff. He's Sean Henry, the president and CEO of the National Predators in Bridgestone Arena. Sean, uh, we certainly appreciate the time today. We wish you continued success with Bridgestone Arena, and and we certainly look forward uh, to watching and hopefully for a lot of people going uh, to Bridgestone Arena for this SEC tournament. Thank you so much for the time today. Yeah, well, look me up when you get up here on Wednesday. It'd be nice to uh, meet you in person. Yes, sir. And if your tennis coach is listening, your women's tennis coach, there are two ladies at Auburn. She should get on the team. They're sisters, a junior and a freshman. Abby and Anna Fish, they were stars of Father Ryan, and they're just waiting to play for Auburn. So Uh-oh. that's a free gift for me to you. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Sean, we appreciate the time today. All right, guys. See you this week. Absolutely. That is Sean Henry, again, the president and CEO of the National Predators in Bridgestone Arena, joining us today on Sports Call. Certainly appreciate the time uh, with Sean there. Thank you for taking time out of his busy schedule. And uh, I think everyone's really excited about Nashville being this venue for a long period of time to come. It's been such a a growing place and uh, looking forward to uh, this cool. event again this year. Yeah, yeah. well, and you, you got the tournament, and then, you know, we'll be there for SEC Media Days in July. And, uh, yeah, Nashville is kind of becoming that hotbed for uh, for a lot of SEC stuff right now. And uh, it's a great place. It absolutely is. Again, Sean Henry just joined us. If you missed any of that Sports Call podcast presented by Coca-Cola, is the place to go check that one out. Want everyone to go up and have a big contingency of Auburn support 
when they take on Arkansas Thursday night inside of Bridgestone Arena. Got to take our first time out of hour number three. We'll be back in just a moment. Listening to the multi time Abbey Award winning sports call. I'm Trevon Reed, former Auburn Tiger football player, national champion. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back to Sports Call on this Monday. Ryan LaVoy, Cam Berry with you here. Big thanks again to Sean Henry, the president and CEO of the National Predators and Bridgestone Arena for joining us on Sports Call today. Uh, As you can tell, if you just listened to that interview, Nashville and Bridgestone Arena, Arena buzzing right now. Something interesting that I saw as I researched everything to, to talk to Sean again, and he mentioned it that Bridgestone Arena will be home of the Predators through 2049. Wow. That is an incredibly long Sheesh. contract, uh, 26 more years. Locked and in. And part of that deal is that the Predators own Bridgestone now. Uh-huh. And so it, the, the, they're not getting subsidies from right. the city of Nashville. They, they are in charge of owning and operating wow. Bridgestone Arena, and that's going to cost a lot of money. Uh, over time to renovate it. And, you know, kudos for them for trying to, uh, A, they've been doing an incredible job so far, but also trying to put together a long-term plan to where, hey, we can have a state-of-the-art venue without having to build one every 15 or 20 years because that's what it feels like we're doing in the sports world right now. And there's a place. You know, and I I guess there's nothing inherently wrong with that. I mean, the the arms race for facilities we talk about in the SEC all the time and updates the stadiums, but certainly just the facilities and recruiting areas and that sort of thing. Uh, But kudos to... Nashville and again the Predators and Bridgestone Arena for putting together a long-term plan not for funding for something new but for funding to make something continually good Uh, and and that has been borne out and there's a lot of trust there again the SEC men's basketball tournament will be in Nashville through 2035 Uh, we talked about media days going there for the first time this year Uh, I think they'll probably be back I mean Nashville it is well within the footprint of the SEC, and no longer are the days where the SEC only thinks about Birmingham or only thinks about Atlanta as being integral parts of the league. They still are, but they are now branching out and making Nashville another pivotal point and pivotal place in this league. Well, I mean, and and that also speaks to the SEC expanding its footprint, the entire footprint. And so to at least the Southeast. Sure. Um, But yeah, I mean, it used Birmingham and Atlanta. That was right. Just kind of the, that was kind of the it, but that's also where all the teams kind of were focused around, you know, at least in that general area. But now the SEC is, you know, expanding all the way out to Oklahoma and Missouri and yeah. Texas. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's that, that footprint overall is expanding. And so uh, the, the cities of importance are going to have to expand with that. And uh, I, I'm all for it because that's, you know, that's, that's where college athletics is going right now. It's, you know, it's been talked it's about for big. a very long time that you're going to end up with just a couple of power conferences and – of course, the SEC isn't going anywhere, so it will be one of those power conferences. 
yeah. for, for years to come now. For sure. Uh, I, I, I do wonder. So the, the SEC basketball tournament was in Tampa last year. It and was so, Emily Arena. Right. And so I, I just I wonder if what, 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 what was that? Like why why did they go to Tampa that year? I guess that's really my question because I'm not sure. I I think they had know. some agreements with various cities and places because okay. when I was looking it up, and I, again I I this was not something that I thought about when I was ten and twelve and fifteen years old. <laughs> yeah, but I, I I misremembered things. I thought it was always in Atlanta uh, when right. I was growing up, and when I and when I really dug into it, I realized that. They actually rotated amongst a few different places uh, that it was a lot of Atlanta. And everyone remembers the whole deal with the Georgia Dome and uh-huh. the tornado. I mean, that's that's going to leave and or that's going to live in infamy for a very long time. But when you looked at it, I saw, OK, this is going back to, let's say, about 2004. OK, mm-hmm. Georgia Dome, then Nashville, then Atlanta, Atlanta, Tampa, the St. Pete Times Forum in 2009. OK, uh, Bridgestone in 2010, Georgia Dome, New Orleans Arena, Bridgestone, Georgia Dome, Bridgestone, St. Louis for that random one in 2018. <laughs> and then Nashville, random. Nashville, Tampa. So Tampa okay. had been in there once before uh, in 2009. And I'm trying to see if it was in there again, and it does not look like it was. It's been in Birmingham. It's been in Orlando in the 90s once. Right. Uh, so I think it was just about, okay, well, we have a member institution, the state of Florida, Tampa, right. still a big place. So still maybe a little different, obviously, yeah, yeah, yeah. and maybe trying to see if they could pick up some traction there. Again, I, I, and I did not do the research to see when that was agreed upon. Yeah. All I know is it was one other time over there in like 2007 or whenever I said it was. So. Just, I think, part of a broader rotation that they then wanted to... Kind of move down? Uh, yeah, a broader rotation or that they focus did, in? But yes, exactly. Wanted to intensify and try and make one place the permanent home. Maybe that okay. was kind of a scouting place for it. But yeah. they'd actually agreed to this deal in Nashville back in 2019 or 2020. Sheesh. So Okay. Uh, and they had the women's tournament in Nashville last right. year to compensate. That. The deal was that at least one of the two tournaments would, would be, be there through 2035. So, oh, okay. Um, so there's a chance that it's not going to be there every single year. It, it, it will be. Well, no, like it, one or the other, but like say the, like the men's could be somewhere in it, could be in Atlanta. The way, the way I read it is that. Tampa. The way I read it is that from this point forward till 2035, it will still be the men's okay. tournament. Okay. Period. That was the language of that was so that they could agree to something consecutively, right? Up until 2035, but they had the one problem of one other year was agreed right. upon for they, okay, another okay. venue, I so see they they compensated that and gave them the women's tournament there. So okay, uh, so some legal lease there, right? Uh, but but right. Uh, anyway, you know, they, they obviously host. What forty-one Preds games plus playoffs? If they make it, they've they've got um, what you know. He said, the, Sean said, the most uh, most visited concert venue was Bridgestone Arena. That doesn't I, I don't me. I don't know how many that means. If that's thirty yeah. or fifty or seventy or a hundred, I I don't know what that means. But you, you've got that, then you've got this. I mean, that is a lot of events. A lot. And that's why I wanted to ask him about what it takes to change over all these surfaces and stuff. And because uh, that, because again, it takes a lot of manpower. It, it does. And again, I, I would, I, I could have even asked a more particular question about the ice part of it because How the long? ice seems like the most difficult thing right. to either replace or to put in there. 
because it is very dependent on like it has a cer- to be a certain temperature right right there's more elements than just the surface right, being right. right there's an extra layer there oh that's interesting i i do wonder it's got to be like a, a two-day period, right, in between a, a, any event I don't know. I mean, like I that, think it's, right? it might be quicker to. than that. I, I did look it up, and the SEC tournament obviously ends on Sunday. The Preds' next home game is Tuesday. Yeah. Um, but, you know, if you told me they had a concert the night before there, I think I'd still probably believe you. Sheesh. I mean, they, they do some wild things. So. That would be a But they've obviously got it down pat, winning Arena of the Year three years in a row there. Yeah, well, uh, so <laughs> hey, it's tough. They, they do a great job with it. So if you're I'm out, excited, man. Yeah, I mean, you're gonna, you are, are going to be there Wednesday and throughout. And, again, I know it's spring break here in the area for both uh, Auburn City Schools and, obviously, Auburn University. So. Right. You're still hanging around town, and you kind of want to go somewhere. You don't know know where. Uh, Go to Nashville. Nashville, Go to the SEC tournament. Maybe Auburn will make a run. Even if they don't, uh, there's a lot of fun things to a do lot. in Nashville. So yeah, I've uh, never been to Nashville, so I'm I'm really excited. This is this is a new, a completely new place for me. So uh-huh. um, I've maybe. only been really once, but I was only there about 24 hours. Went to the Music City Bowl right. uh, that Auburn uh, lambasted Purdue <laughs> at a few years <laughs> yeah, back. Yeah, and yeah. Got in at like 10 o'clock yeah. and left eight or nine the next day. So right. it wasn't was not enough to do much there. But yeah, I. I went once when I was a little kid, but then I went once, and I was like there for a day when I was working for Auburn Undercover. There was an offensive line recruit mm-hmm. that I went and met and talked to. He ended up signing with Tennessee. He ended up becoming all SEC at Tennessee, and I can't for the life of me remember his name, but uh, I, I was just there briefly to interview him and get on back. But, yeah, I've never had a chance to just kind of be around Nashville and hang out. So, again, we appreciate Sean Henry uh, for – joining us again the president ceo of the national predators and bridgestone arena when we come back a best and worst of the weekend there was a lot going on around auburn a lot in the sports world as we continue on here and uh, starting winter into spring as far as sports are concerned so best and worst of the weekend coming up after this timeout need a time out sports call will be back after this quick break i'm deshaun davis former auburn tigers football player and all sec linebacker you're listening to sports call on tiger Monday edition of Sports Call. Ryan LaVoy, Cam Berry, and Tom Peavy with you here. Fun show. This is one of those that has flown by quickly. It really has. Get a couple guests on, a couple good calls, a couple good topics. Blah, blah, it's 5.30. uh, Auburn win is much better than Auburn loss to discuss. And then all of a sudden, yeah, 
you're up against it. And you only have 15, 20 minutes left in the show, which is our situation now. So without further ado, let's uh, get to our best and worst of the weekend. Now time for the best Woo-hoo! and worst No, no, no! of the weekend. All right, best and worst of the weekend. There's no rhyme or reason to if we go best or worst first. No. Sometimes I just ask you, Tom, what you want to lead off with, and I'll that's start, the boat I'm in today. So what do you want to start off with? I, I will start with a best because it was a really cool best last night. Uh, if anybody out there tuned into the XFL game uh, last night on ESPN2 between the San, San Antonio Brahmas and the Houston Roughnecks, you witnessed something that may have never happened. Um, in the booth doing color commentary was Cole Kublik. On one sideline was Don Davenport, and on the other sideline was Taylor Davis. All three Auburn University grads oh. on one broadcast team. That's dope. For, uh, for ESPN. Uh, Amanda Brooks, who works for ESPN, we see her all the time at, uh, at SEC Media Days helping – coordinate some things with people uh she says not sure we've had this many alums from the same school call a game on any of our properties but we've got a trio of auburn university alumni covering xfl 2023 tonight so um that's cool yeah it, it, that was just really neat and uh they all talked about it uh and uh, i guess was tom hart was on the uh on the call with it is it was it tom hart is that correct uh, he's yeah, usually with it's tom hart yeah tom hart uh, oddly enough, a, a tiger also, but he was a Missouri tiger. But uh, but yeah, just it, um, it, it was just that was just really neat and something that a, a lot of people were talking about that they don't know that that has happened just because um, yeah, how broad. I mean people are people yeah, are yeah, yeah, they, yeah especially with ESPN the ESPN properties they come from all different walks and everything but to, to if have I had a, to guess Syracuse could be potential but yeah, other than that I um, mean well and, and you know and that, the other kind of neat thing about that is you've got the, you've got the three Auburn alums that are there doing that and Auburn is not a school that has a uh, a renowned broadcasting uh degree type deal yeah, that not, not like not schools. like a Syracuse not like a University of Georgia that has these very specified yeah, things like that you see a lot of like folks that. right that you yeah. see a lot of the the uh, the bigger time ESPN the your bigger personalities coming from the Syracuses and those uh, but but Auburn is definitely starting to make a lot of waves uh, in the broadcast world and in the journalism world and you saw it on display there last night on ESPN two with three. Auburn alums on the broadcast team. So yep. that was cool. Absolutely, Cam. What was your best of the weekend? Um, my best of the weekend. I'm I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with the Auburn atmosphere in the uh, at Neville Arena. Uh, I think yeah, I'm gonna go with that. Just absolutely electric. That game was a great game. Um, you know, it, it wasn't. You know, obviously, it would have probably been fun fine either way if it would have been a blowout but a, a good game just makes everything so much more enjoyable you know it, it, may, it really brings out just the fans and the fandom and just the, the absolute love of the game and i mean th- like i said that leor dunk man that was legitimately the loudest i've ever heard neville arena definitely the loudest i've heard this season um so yeah that that's that's gonna be my best of the weekend so my best of the weekend is going to be uh, if I can find it here, um, it's this beautiful time of year, and um, I finally did. 
It's the beautiful time of year where we get ready for March Madness. And, of course, we're going to end up talking about who's in the Final Four, what happens to Auburn, and the big seeds and all that. But my best of the weekend is the automatic qualifiers from the weekend. And it is the first five schools to punch a ticket to the big dance. Some of these schools, incredibly small schools that you don't hear about for really just about anything other than their one shining moment when they make the NCAA tournament. So I'm going to go with Fairleigh Dickinson, Southeastern Missouri, Drake, Kennesaw State, and a personal favorite of my parents and of JJ being from the area, UNC Asheville, Ah. uh, for already punching tickets to the big dance. Those are the first five teams to win their conference, get automatically qualified. And again, just the best because... For me, look, we do crown a champion. It's weeks later from when the tournament starts. But what makes the NCAA tournament special. I remember we had this conversation a while back for you. What makes it special is that while we can crown the best team in the country and feel like we did a decent job of it, we can have these memorable upsets that define these tournaments, define March. March would not be madness if there were eight teams and we just did a little – two out of three or, or did a, uh, a smaller version of a tournament with only big conference teams, it becomes madness when the Drakes of the world make a run. When, of course, I could go through the litany of things that have happened in the past, if you want to talk Even about last year. Uh, the Peacocks. Uh, St. Peter's from last year, Loyola Chicago, George Mason, Virginia Commonwealth. Florida uh, Gulf Coast. Florida Gulf Coast, Dunk City there. Obviously a 16 beating one with UMBC. All these things are, to me, what gives that that extra layer where anybody can truly beat anybody if you can it's make true. this dance. Any given day. Exactly. And, and in the same light, at the end of the thing, you still have arguably the best team in the country. Go cut down the nets anyway. It's not every single year, but if you look at it, it's a lot of them. And I think it's a, a wonderfully beautiful tournament. And it's also because of small teams like this. Somebody is going to be Cinderella, and I can't wait to see who the next one will be. All right, time for the worst of the weekend. Uh, I, I've, been, yeah, I've been sitting there trying to hmm. think of a worst. I mean, uh, it's hard to it's hard to one. think of a worst. I mean, there's just so many good things with Auburn and, uh, you know, hard to think of a worst. But I, I guess, uh, man, I, I just – I really don't like some of the – stuff we talked about it last week but i just don't like what i'm seeing from spring training baseball right now with the the time limits on hitters and pitchers oh i know it's gonna it's it's gonna take it's gonna take an adjustment it's gonna take an adjustment it's gonna definitely take some getting used to um i just i i i feel like they're not i feel like that the rule is not giving them enough time to do anything um i I watched a video of it today and the pitcher ran out of time and there was nothing extreme about what he was doing i mean it was just but you know pitchers have to have a chance to to get the call from the catcher and if it's not right. what they want to throw to to wave that off and get another one yeah. i know we get it gets ridiculous with some of just the over and over and over but i mean these these poor pitchers they don't even have a chance and then there's some of these the, the batter will be waiting on the pitcher to get on the rubber and by the time he steps on and the batter steps in the box and then they blame the batter and call him out and so they just, uh, 
man, they they got to figure it out because it just feels like a, half of these guys just have no idea what they're supposed to be doing, and it just it's a complete cluster. I asked Brandt this question yesterday because he's also already in your camp where he does not like it. Do you dislike more that it does not feel like the right amount of time, or do you dislike the concept in general? I, I think it's more of just the time. I agree. Uh, I think was it fifteen seconds? Yeah, yeah fifteen seconds. Yeah, fifteen Even seconds. 30, just do, fifteen seconds does not give a pitcher enough time to do what he needs. And as somebody who has pitched before, I mean, you no, can't just throw a pitch, get the ball right. back, get set, and let's go and let's throw another one. Uh, if you want to do that, go play for the Savannah Bananas. They they do that. They they're, I mean, that's just like quick fire stuff. Right. right. A, a pitcher has to. You know, have that chance to grab Reject. the ro- to grab the rosin bag right. and get his hand, take the signs from the catcher. If it's not what he's feeling at the time, then he needs to be able to shake that off and go to another pitch. In 15 seconds, they're not having enough time to do that. Um, and so I, I don't mind there being a time limit on it just because you need to do something to stop the – the forever long stuff that goes on right the the batters that will sit there and adjust their batting gloves 15 different times and rub yeah dirt and then reach down and get more dirt and go through this whole convoluted right, procedure right. before they're ready no i but you've got to at least give them more time i, I think so, 30 seconds would be fine i yeah 30, 30 seconds, seconds 30 seconds should be enough 15 is to way Man, too short. 15, and like I said, I watched that video. The pitcher got the ball back, and 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 that clock starts immediately. Yeah, it's like if they don't start the windup by like eight, it's already right. Well, dead. he was he was he was already under five minutes before he actually got his foot set, you know, to, ready to go. Uh, yeah, it's just I don't mind the time limit, but they need to ex- they need to extend that time. It, Fifteen is just that's. It, it looks pretty dumb. Yeah. Cam, what you got for worst? My worst of the weekend goes to, I think, a little bit of everybody's enemy has has been bothering me all weekend, pollen. Huh. <laughs> I can't stand it. And it's been, I mean, I've been, I mean, even in here, I've been sneezing like crazy. And You have a few oh times, Oh, my yeah. gosh. It's been driving me insane. And the pollen, <laughs> it's getting all over my truck already. You know, I can't clean it because there's no point because it's just going to show back up the next day. Like, you know, so. And it even rained a good bit and it's. Came right back. Still. It's just, just, it'll never go away. Hang in there, my friend. My worst of the weekend is pollen because of my (laughs) allergies and it, and it keeps my truck dirty. I, I have, I have slight allergies. I don't, (laughs) I don't usually have a breakdown of sneezing unless (laughs) I'm out there for a while. Right, right. If I'm out there for like an hour, if I'm trying to play golf or something, that's different. But I'm usually okay with just short little doses. But yeah, I can. I, I think a lot of people can be in the same camp as you. There, my worst of the weekend, real quickly, uh, is a freak accident in NASCAR involving the sport's most popular driver, Chase Elliott, uh, yeah. uh, who broke his tibia oh. snowboarding yeah. on Friday. <laughs> Uh, and it started this big debate, which most people are on the side of let him live. It's it's a freak accident. It's okay. But it sparked this big debate on if these drivers should be doing stuff like this during the season, which is kind of stupid to me because that's like saying you should not live your life for literally 40 weeks. Yeah. This is one of the longest seasons in sports. There are 36 regular season races. There's an all-star race, an exhibition race, and there's a week or two off throughout the year for like Easter and I think maybe Father's Day. You have 12 so the, weeks to live your so, life then. So, yeah, you've got 40 <laughs> weeks occupied with NASCAR. And Chase, from what I understand, 
snowboards all the time. This is not something that he was just trying for the hell of it during the, the season. So my worst is kind of the criticism that there is criticism around this because he, people should get to live their lives. But also the worst is, hey, it also sucks that one of the very best in the sport is now out for probably at least a month, maybe two, yeah. from, from from doing this thing and that he's going to have to get a, a special waiver to be eligible for the playoffs. Then he's going to have to win just make playoffs, which he might. He's one of the best drivers out there. But just this, this whole nine yards of it, it is injuries always suck. They will always suck in every sport. In NASCAR, they usually right. do not happen at the same rate, although they used to be fatal right. 30, 40 years ago. But they do not happen at a high rate that causes causes the lack of uh, a participation now. However, it happened off the track, which sucks even more uh, for Chase Elliott. So I hate that he broke his tibia and going to be out of the sport for at least a month, maybe two. All right, that was our best and worst of the weekend. One final timeout on this Monday edition of Sports Call. Back to wrap things up with a nightly TV guide right after this. Sports Call has been on the air since 1995. We're done paying the bills. Now back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Final couple minutes of the show today. We're glad you tuned in to Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show today. This is Sports Call. Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy, and Cam Berry about set to wrap things up. I always enjoy best and worst of the weekend now that I'm actually a part of it every week because I was almost never uh, on the Monday show. Being a part of those is always something. I, I start I start on Saturday. What, yeah. what am I going to do for best and worst of the weekend? And uh, That Chase Elliott stuff came out Friday night, so I had my worst about a couple hours <laughs> into the weekend. Just got off work. Was at the softball game and breaking news, snowboarding incidents. Not what you expect to read for right. a professional athlete. So. Uh, that uh, that was an easy worst for me. Just a minute or two left in the show. Time for a nightly TV guide. Our show is about to end, but we've got you covered on entertainment for the evening. Here's Sports Call's nightly TV guide. Sports Call's nightly TV guide presented by White Claw Hard Seltzer. Six o'clock again. It's tournament season. Conference tournaments first. Six o'clock. UT Chattanooga versus Furman on ESPN. I think that is the SoCon Championship. 6 o'clock, the Sun Belt Championship, ESPN2, the Louisiana Raging Cajuns, the South Alabama Jaguars. 6 o'clock on ESPNU, Northern Kentucky versus Youngstown State, the Penguins. And then 6 o'clock, Women's College Basketball, Villanova versus UConn. I'm going to spoil who's going to win that game. It is going to be the team coached by Gino Ariema. Also, one movie pick for you tonight, 6 o'clock on TNT. It is the original Black Panther, starring Chadwick Boseman. And that is Sports Call's nightly TV guide, presented by White Claw Hard Seltzer. Fun show today. Uh, As always, enjoyed everyone being in here. Um, And uh, we've still got a lot of things we didn't hit on today between the Combine uh, and just a lot of things that, Cam, I'm sorry, we'll have to hold for next week for you. But uh, Anthony Richards is the next Cam Newton. Yep. No, no. Yeah, we're not starting that as <laughs> starting we play that. the outro music, Tom. Jesus, you'll be back tomorrow. <laughs> I'll see you then. We'll talk about it then. But thank you for being here. Absolutely. 
And then, Cam, thank you for being here. Have yes, a great sir. time in Nashville, the SEC tournament. We'll see you next week. Yes, sir. And we thank Sean Henry, the president and CEO of the Nashville Predators and Bridgestone Arena, for joining us on the sh- show today. And also for Kevin Ives at AUPP on Twitter for joining us to talk some Auburn baseball. And as always, we thank those that tuned in and called in. For Cam Berry and Tom Peavy, my name is Ryan LaVoy. Have a great Monday night, and we'll talk to you tomorrow.